What do you want? <laughs> to see you, to speak with you. What do I? I don't know. You seem different from the other women I know. Now you've seen me and spoken to me. You've complied with your desire, now go. Exorcism, a sacrifice, blessing, or bestiality. The curse of the devil, Satan in control of the body and the mind. My love will destroy the creation. I swear that you'll find it. Welcome to the Nashi Cast. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And plus a change, plus c'est la même chose. The more that things change, the more they stay the same. We are back. Uh, I yes. almost grabbed your arm and started kissing it to know anything. <laughs> <laughs> he spoke French. <laughs> uh, well, yes, folks, we are back. And uh, although um, I should probably learn that phrase in Spanish, come to think of it, but I didn't. Yeah, uh, well. Yeah. I took just enough French well, to make myself dangerous. Right. <laughs> exactly. So we are back for the 16th episode of the Beyond Nashi subset of Nashi Cast Podcast. Oh, my goodness. It's almost too confusing. I know. It's like a little, you need little tree subfolders and some, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like trying to follow who was in which band in the 70s. Exactly. I, I don't know anymore. Aren't they in three bands at once? Holy crap, how did this happen? Only idiots would do that. <laughs> I was like in Marvel Comics. Well, at one point, at one point, they had, they, they, it was such a popular character, they had Wolverine in every freaking comic book yeah. in the world. It's yeah. like, he's yeah. an Avenger, he's an X-Man. He's, a, he's, a, he's in this, he's in that. He says he has three of his own books. It's like, uh, yeah, no, I don't. So anyway, <laughs> folks, thank you very much. Uh, we are trying to stay on track tonight and not having a very good, uh, not having no, a good track record no. of that in the past. It's going to be um, mm-hmm, problematic. So mm-hmm. once again, we're glad to be here tonight. We are back to cover another Spanish horror film from the blessed era of the 70s. Tonight we're covering Armando Diasorio's uh, Not Another Blind Dead film. No, nope, no, no. Nope. We're going to check out his The Lorelei's Grasp from 1974. I forgot to ask you uh, what was going to be our official title. Was it going to be Grasp of the Lorelei or were we going to go with The Lorelei's Grasp? So. Let's go with Lorelei's Grasp okay. because that's de- that's definitely how it was released on, uh, on DVD over here when uh, BCI put it out. Yeah. Plus, it's less words, and we in the South appreciate that. So. <laughs> the less syllables. The less we have to say. The less I can just screw up and, and kind of stumble over. Do I sound Do I sound better speaking English or speaking bad French? I don't know. doesn't yeah. really matter. But, folks, uh, of course, next month, Troy and I will be back over on the Bloody Pit covering um, another, another Ghidorah film. Yeah, the Ghidorah files continue. Exactly. But this month, strap in. It is time for more Spanish horror. But before we get to that, and it's uh, something that I didn't, I, I kind of probably should have found a way to uh, put it off until th- till next month, but I can't resist. Basically, we had a a, a dear listener that would be uh, that would be uh, Jason, mm-hmm. who uh, <clears throat> occasionally 
writes back and forth with us here on the podcast. Actually, this and uh, the Bloody Pit. He's definitely a, a big fan of the Toho shows that we've been doing on the Bloody Pit. Mm-hmm. And he apparently occasionally hops on a plane and jumps over to Japan. As you do, right? Just, you know, it's easy thing, <laughs> yeah. an easy thing to do. I it, just feel like I'm going to go to Japan this weekend. I you know what? Yeah. I think I'll just, yeah, 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 I'll make plans and go and do that. But no, I make plans to go to the bathroom. He makes plans <laughs> to, to go to, to another wow. continent. So... <laughs> It, what uh, what he's uh, he's he's fighting. I don't know if he realizes this, but uh, this particular listener is fighting to be. Uh, he's, he's he's fighting to be the the number one fan. Um, now we've talked in the past about how obviously Mike, our buddy Mike, who has. Uh, Regularly for a couple, couple, three years now, donated uh, money to help mm-hmm. defray the costs of the hosting fees for these podcasts. He has been number one fan. He has been given the comfy chair, <laughs> precisely, and he will always retain that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Except that he's this, got a, he's got some competition now. He, he, he competition. has some competition. <clears throat> this fine fellow, who we love, mm-hmm. has sent us gifts from Japan. Now yes, he has. <clears throat> he sent them to me in a package. And uh, they're individually wrapped, some for me, some for for Troy. And we are, before we do anything else tonight, we're going to go ahead and open them. I have been, uh, I'm not really good with the delayed gratification, folks. You've got to understand, I've had these in the house for weeks and have not Even at that, I admire your resolve. I truly do. I'm I'm, I'm kind of impressed myself. I hid them from myself and told (laughs) myself that if I opened them, then I would have to to confess in front of the world, just like this. (laughs) So... I have waited until this recording session here on the Beyond Nashy show uh, to open these gifts from Japan. Now, that doesn't make any sense, but maybe that's why I started with speaking French. <laughs> I'm going to muddy the waters. We are multicultural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we're not multi-talented. Anyway, no, we're not. I can tell you that. So, what we're going to do is, first, I will read this fine note. This was... Uh, <clears throat> yes, you, you you can hear the it. rustling of paper. Yeah, it's, it's the rustling. Yes, exactly. It's a it's a it's Hello Kitty stationery. <laughs> Rod and Troy, please accept these gifts. I got them on a recent trip to Japan. Been listening to your podcast for many many years, and want to wait a minute. Pause. Wait, that makes us sound really old. <laughs> many many. Well. I guess we've been doing this for over six years now. So. Yeah, yeah, amazingly enough. It's, it's hard it's to not, say He's that. not trying to slight us. He's not no. trying to say we're old bastards. But we can talk about the show in, in terms of years now. Yes, yes, we can. But anyway, he says, been listening to your podcasts for many, many years and want to show my appreciation. I learned a lot about Spanish horror from you. Your kaiju episodes are fantastic. Rock on, Jason. Um, he says, uh, Rod, dude, you got to answer emails. Um, this is because he was corresponding with me on the Bloody Pit uh, Gmail account. That would be thebloodypit at gmail.com while he was in Japan as he was picking out these gifts. And I only occasionally check that account, and I've learned my lesson. And you've to, just confessed on there. To, to check that account much more frequently because, holy crap, if so, there are even cooler things that he might have gotten me mm-hmm. because they're things he picked up for himself. And I'm, oh, uh, anyway. So, Jason, we love you. We thank you. And we will now commence with the opening of the gifts. They are all mine, Troy. None of them are yours. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, wait. No. Wow. That's not, that's not true. Wow. Now, wait a minute. I think I see, I think right. I see my name on it. Okay. Uh, so, mm-hmm. we, we have we have the one for this. Oh. that got Troy. And it's already on the outside of it. Oh, He's it's even, even already got a Godzilla button on it. He's, he has me already. That would have been yep. enough there. Yep. Got, a, got an awesome Godzilla. 
uh, done up at like the Beatles Let It Be with four, you know, four different <laughs> images of, uh, which is tantamount to, you know, they, they're on the same level. So, yeah. There you go, yeah, of course. So, so I take it, you, I take it, I get to, I don't have a clue what's in there, so okay. open it up and let's find out what it gave you. Our sound effects man is going to come up to the mic now and, uh, and do the sound of ripping, yes. ripping, yeah, ripping paper. paper. Let's see, what do you got there? Oh, it has pages, it's a book. It is, oh, oh, oh. oh what is that? This looks nice. This is one of these amazing. Oh. This is a book which is very obviously imperfect for us. It's uh, it looks like it is uh, focused on uh, Godzilla, the '90s Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which we're Ooh. going to be covering. Uh, and these books are these books that they do for these movies, and uh, I love this stuff. Um, Hobby Japan did a lot of them. Um, this one is sort of in that same vein where it has tons of color pictures but look at that ton, look at this page after page of storyboards i mean they're just like going to everything there oh but jason he didn't get him the english version this is all in japanese <laughs> <laughs> yeah somehow i think i can work around that somehow oh god look at this photograph holy yeah. crap mm-hmm. it has photos not only of all the awesome kaiju but all the beautiful japanese women that are in these films you know so it's like <laughs> what can what can we yeah that's keep awesome. your pants on <laughs> now here's a second thing here oh, what's this what's this ah no this is, looks like something from uh Godzilla 2000 or from the Millennium series there. Okay. That's uh let's see what, what this is. is. More, more, re- more, more wrestling, wrestling more plastic, wrestling more wrestling plastic. plastic. Yes, this this can't be this can't be real. It's all special effects people. Yeah. <laughs> um oh it's like sort oh. of so it's, it looks like it's a folder of some kind and when you pull it out here it's got oh yeah and I remember when this came out the uh, Godzilla oh, which the Godzilla as you can head. attest, the Godzilla head that sits in my... Yeah. This is the DVD set that the, that, that head was manufactured to go with. Oh. Yeah, Jason, this uh, this Godzilla final box here uh, that had all these Godzilla DVDs, uh, they made this, well, I say life-size, basically it's probably about the size of the head <laughs> of the costume, the Godzilla actual Godzilla costume would it's have been. It's big, yeah. Promotional item that went with it, and a few years ago at G-Fest, I, I spent many bucks to acquire one of my own, and as Rod can attest, it sets... In the corner of my room, sort of looming over, glaring balefully over my over my bedroom. <laughs> Pride of place. Yes, and so yeah, so this is a, uh, a looks like a collection the, of several uh, different. What's the folded thing? Oh, I wonder if this is a big poster of some kind. Let's see. Let's see. I believe we have poster happening. Oh, oh, now okay, now now I know he's a listener of the show now. What 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 is? What was I talking about? Uh, that's your favorite that's Godzilla That's my favorite poster. Godzilla poster, the Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. I, I said on the last uh, Kaiju show, I said oh, that it was my favorite. Get, that's got to get framed. That is going to be soon some serious framing there. Wow. Thank that you, is, Jason. That is, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Do I get any of that? Can I have it? <laughs> well, well. Oh, God. Oh, well, all right, all right. So you got you got coolness there. Now it's, yeah. now it's, now it's my turn. I got, I got, one, got one here with my name on it. It's a schoolgirl outfit. I can tell already. I think he's got Helga Linnae in here. <laughs> how would you pick up Helga? Maybe her green how would you get Helga Linnae while you're in Japan? Okay, so here we go. I'm, I'm ripping and tearing. Oh, we got, oh, we got. Rip and tear, Bruno. Rip and tear. Uh, ooh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, oh this uh, looks good. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, there's two. <laughs> it's I wasn't too far off when I said it was a Jap- when I said it was a schoolgirl outfit. It's Japanese porn. Holy crap. Now, this should tell you something. I get the Godzilla stuff. He gets the pinky stuff. You know, he gets hey, the, he gets hey, the, he gets the, he gets the, uh. What in the world? It's a, it is a DVD. And it, I swear to you, I think it's Japanese porn. He's I definitely listened to our podcasts. He definitely has. He, he but, knows. Bust, bust a heaven. <laughs> swing, swing, grown bust fire, shake, shake, ripen hip grind, hard jack in out. Boy, I've got to put the explicit label Do on Do not this use sharp ones, bump it. <laughs> Up to burnt buddy, nonstop feverish dance, 
writing on me. Even even that, even that syntax has me getting horny. I'm pretty, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that that's like two separate haikus shoved together. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure. That's this, this is a, okay. So the, and then there's and then there's, there's like a there's Japanese a, porn the, movie. The, well, I mean, see, you'll see it's the old book record thing. See, it tells you when oh. to turn the page when you put on the <laughs> <laughs> and then a Japanese porn magazine. And it's it's horrible. Once again, it's not in English. How can I read this? How can you find those in depth articles? But that there? this this beautiful looking young woman on here, perhaps. Perhaps you can help me translate. <laughs> we'll be taking a break now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back in a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be that long. <laughs> okay, so I got the well, gift of Japanese porn. He knows we are men of simple tastes. Well, that's true. And, and also there is... Now, a, this one really scared me because it's addressed is, to both uh, of us. This one is to Rod and Troy, enjoy watching or talking Godzilla. Now, I will I'll let you open it okay. because All right. I have no idea what it is. And if it explodes, I want to be over <laughs> here on this side of things. So... Uh, this would be the third one labeled for both of us. Oh, maybe it's money. <laughs> yen. It's a yen. Oh, it's some sort of like uh, tentacle-looking things in a... Uh, oh, it's, is it like a pasta of some kind? Oh, some no, sort of like... it's probably dried squid. Oh, oh, nice. Because I've made far too many dried squid jokes. We can do that when we cover uh, something on Lovecraftian. We can, we can I don't know if I up. can ever eat dried squid, but I'll try. Oh, this is a mother. Oh, this looks like oh, some, they are, is it like is those. Uh, yeah, it is. It oh, is. Cool Japanese snacky food. It's uh, island island. When we cover the Monster Island stuff, it's got. Oh no, see now these I dig the uh, the Kit oh, Kats, the, the Japanese, various Japanese, Japanese Kit, Kit Kats. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. We'll divvy this yeah. up. Sure. Okay, so oh, those are mine. So oh. here we go. You get you get those. You get this, and then sometime we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll have when we feel it, really really brave. Dried so really really brave. We'll cook it. If it's not dried squid. squid, do you actually cook that or do you just eat it dry? I think you just I eat, it eat it dry. dry. Don't you remember in um. You add water and run. <laughs> turns into a oh, massive, turns into a massive you. octopus and comes blows right out of your house. Comes at your face. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! This is awesome. Oh, Japanese Kit Kat bars. Okay, when there's that's 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 so cool. If J- Jason, if this is not dried squid, tell us because I ain't touching it until I get some confirmation. <laughs> Holy crap! Anyway, uh, we got one more thing, and this is uh, he labeled this uh, to be open last, and it's for Troy. Oh, so okay. I don't know what my gosh. That is. My gosh. And it comes from the Kino Kino Kinia Kino Kinia Books bookstore. I'm sure in Tokyo. I'm sure I mispronounced that. That was all me, folks. <laughs> no idea. Let's see. Um, and dried squid and Kit Kats. I don't know if that's a good combination for myself. <laughs> we got. What we got here? Oh, now this wait is a okay. This looks like something. Uh, oh my. It's a, oh, it's a, it's a, um, a signature, I believe. It's signatures. It's three signatures. Sweet. This is, uh, these are basically the signatures from Godzilla, um, as they call it, Godzilla X Megagirus, and we would call it Godzilla versus Megagirus. It's the special effects. It's the special effects man, Suzuki, the director, Tezuka, oh and the God. screenwriter, Mamura. Yeah, this has got the screenwriter, the special effects guy, and the and the directors all signatures. Oh, that is friggin' Holy amazing. Holy crap. That is friggin' amazing. Talk about getting framed. Oh, my God. Well, you know what I'm going to do then? I'm going to find, uh, I'll have to, uh, this year at G-Fest, I'll have to hunt up the uh, hunt up a poster for Godzilla vs. Megagirus, and I'll, uh, and I'll get it framed and pop this inside it there. So that would be, that's just, that's fantastic. That is amazing. Wow. Jason, I hope you didn't like tackle these guys and do them bodily harm and all in order to uh, to make them sign these. And uh, I hope you at least took them out for sushi or something. But no, that's, a, that's that's actually this is really cool. This is great. 
We cannot thank you enough. Uh, to use a very that's, Japanese term, I'm gobsmacked. I, know, that's that's, a, <laughs> I don't think that's... Anyway. Okay, somewhere across the ocean they it's, invented it's that. It's across a pond. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely stunned. I know. I Dried know. squid, Kit Kat, porn. <laughs> it's like a great weekend all it in is, one pack. It pack. is. <laughs> 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 and the, most, the wasabi snacks, it scares me. <laughs> it's like I'm waiting for a ghost to come out of the suicide forest and tell me to put these back in something. Put them away. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So Jason, Jay, oh, I guess I'm, at I'm this just, point, and I, I'm not trying to make uh, Mike send us more money, mm. But if you want to, Mike, you can try to work your way back into number one fan position. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's not it's not that difficult. You mm-hmm. send us money or stuff. Mm-hmm. Money or stuff. And, and mm-hmm. for anybody else who wants to get in on this, yeah, uh, remember so we can start I, having a contest. Uh, send whoever sends the most <laughs> money and the most stuff each month gets to be <laughs> fan of the month. I think I like that contest. <laughs> and if you send us enough, we will even at least technically and for a short period of time name you fan of the year yeah <laughs> i don't want to hold that out as uh-huh. something you go for i'm just yeah. saying it's a possibility yeah. yeah so once again jason thank you very yes, much yes thank you can't say that enough amazing holy wow. crap <laughs> yes uh and jason how often do you go to japan i should probably just take i should probably like email him and find out because who boy there's a well, you know, now I have Japanese porn. I probably mm. won't be leaving the house for the rest of the week. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, the rest of this month is shot, people. So, all right. <laughs> we'll move away from the Christmas yeah. and April portion of the podcast yeah. and try to move into a more, uh, mm-hmm. more or less interesting slash strange and out of the ordinary thing. We're going to move back into the Beyond Nashy portion of this thing. And uh, I tell you what, we'll take a quick break. I'm not. I'm. I, I'm. I'm tempted by the dried squid. I gotta admit, but we'll take a quick break. <laughs> I'm not. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not. Oh, you coward! You, so you're giving me all the dried squid. <laughs> yeah. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic, and sometimes not-so-classic, Monster Movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on... Monster Kid Radio! Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this? No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. 
I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Before we get into it, this will be the uh, third film we've covered by uh, Amado Diasorio, mm-hmm. one of our favorite Spanish horror directors by far, because this is the man responsible for all four of the Blind Dead films mm-hmm. that we dearly love. We've covered two of them here, and we'll eventually probably co- cover the third and the fourth as, uh, yeah, as well. Um, also, eventually, we'll probably cover uh, his uh, demon, his film Demon Witch Child, uh, as well as probably Night of the Sorcerers, yeah, and probably at least one or two more possibly. Now, here's an interesting thing. Before we go anywhere else, I wanted to mention that uh, a film, one of the Nashi films that we've covered in the past, The Cantabrians, uh, I don't think that I had this tidbit of information before. We, uh, I think we may have, when we did the podcast on mm-hmm. the, the the Cantabrians uh, a couple years ago, Troy, we, we, we mentioned that it was a film that had been started by someone else, and then uh, they'd been fired, and mm-hmm. Nashi okay. came on, and everything kind of got changed, and mm-hmm. he made that film. Well, it turns out that Armando D'Asorio was the man who was originally working on it. Okay. Um, in uh, 1980, D'Asorio began directing uh, the historical drama called uh, The Cantabrians, but he was replaced on the project by Paul Nashi, who agreed to direct the picture if he was allowed to start the whole project from scratch, working up an entirely new screenplay and hiring his own actors to replace the former cast members. So it was Armando D'Asorio. Now, now, apparently, there, there, were no, there was no ill will between right, the two yeah, men because but, one thing happened and then the other thing happened. Uh, at least as far as I can tell from yeah. the descriptions that I've read. But it is interesting. I wish I had known that, uh, yeah, that Diasorio had been involved in the Cantabrians yeah. in the original formation. So. And I guess that uh, we can say that was, I guess, the closest those two's, their yeah. paths crossed uh, to come to work together because uh, they used so many of the same actors and, and all that, but uh, never actually worked together. Yeah, I know. As a matter of fact, we've talked about how uh, Julia Sally. Uh, or Julia Sally mm-hmm. uh, turns up in so many of Nashi's films because they were such close friends, mm-hmm. and she actually was in a couple of uh, Osorio's films mm-hmm. as well, right? And of course, Helga Lene in sure. a couple of Nashi films and in a couple of Osorio films. So uh, it's not as if their paths didn't cross. It is that there there is this wonderful interview online. It's a print interview 
that that a fellow did where uh, he talks about how it's unfortunate that they never that Nashi mm-hmm. and uh, Disorio never uh, got to work together, but they did have some ideas. They kicked around some ideas at s- several points at different times, and okay. it was going to be a kind of mm-hmm. Valdemar Daninsky meets the Blind Dead oh, kind God. of thing, but oh, it God. just never came together. I'm about to explode just thinking about such <laughs> yeah, a thing. Know, Can you I imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've said before that like Quentin Tarantino needs to do that or something. You know, needs to make the, needs, needs to, to make the Alambre Lobo versus Blind Dead film or something. Well, I mean, it would, it's just it's just such a perfect yeah. freaking oh, concept could, for yeah. a horror film. Oh, it's great. And uh, you know, you imagine. You know, trying to limit yourself and doing it on on, on a lower budget, doing yeah. it for ten mil or under, yeah. and it could be done. It could be done effectively. And it can yeah. be, and it could be one of those things that you do as you do. At, you can you can even claim if you're a big director like Tarantino that you're you're doing it as a lark because it's yeah. it's a labor of love and it's something that you sure. dearly you dearly want to just focus in and zero on. And I've always wanted to make a horror film <clears> and all that kind yeah. of stuff that you could say and turn out something that you know would finally be that you know. Mm-hmm. Werewolf meets the Blind Dead yeah. combo, or just or so many of these great Spanish directors that are working now. I mean, I can see any any of the, them doing this. You know, would have I can I'd love to see see any, any oh, yeah. of these guys. You know, that that are really making the names for themselves the last few years that are coming out with these great Spanish horror films. I'd love to see one of them do. Or well, hell, Del Toro. Imagine Del Toro doing that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Oh, the blood would fly. Yeah, would um, the, the the thing about the Lorelei's grasp is that as we will get to with the plot of the film. Uh, there's an animal, quote unquote animal, killing people, mm. uh, and a great white hunter type is brought in to track the uh, the creature down. The animal ends up being a not too not too much of a spoiler to say. By the way, we're going to spoilerize the crap out of this film. Monster, sure. The monster turns out to be a female, mm-hmm. played by Helga Linnae. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the minute you see her in the film, it's not that hard to figure out. Huh? Pale redhead. Yeah. Mysteriously, never saying a word. Mm. Probably the murdering beast, mm-hmm, beast yeah. in some way, mm-hmm. right? Mysteriously disappeared. Apparently, lives in the marshes. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 question is, what is the nature of this monster? Mm-hmm. What you know, was it is, is it a vampire, is it a werewolf, whatever? But no, it's this reptilian creature. <clears throat> and uh, Desorio talked about how the concept was based on an ancient legend and subsequent medieval poetry. The monster in question is the Lamia, the Lamia. Uh, it's a she-demon that can take the shape of a beautiful seductress or that of a snake-like beast. What Helga Linnae's character was, was a Lamia. In fact, there is an, a very old poem from medieval England entitled Lamia, and though there are passages missing from it, you can still see the idea for this villainous, and it came from there. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that uh, both of us looked up both the, the legend of the Lorelei Mm-hmm. And the Lamia thing, because he mentions it in this, and it's kind of, and it is kind of a mashup of those two uh, particular things. Now the film is, mm-hmm. and we were joking about this mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. Uh, Spanish horror during you know during the lifetime when of uh, General Franco uh, was kind of it kind of had to be set somewhere other than yeah. than Spain. Yeah. Uh, and because sometimes nothing simple happens in Spain. It's kind of the <laughs> yes. basic idea. Nothing yeah. like this can happen in Spain. The thing is, this is one of the very few of mm. these movies that is, you know, set in another European country where that's actually logical. Yeah, it's not like you doesn't. There's some of the films feel like they just sort of cut out a chunk of Spanish land and just dropped it into, you know, another <laughs> <laughs> another country. This actually has a reason to be filmed in Germany. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, because the whole story takes place uh, essentially along the uh, the banks of the Rhine mm-hmm. in, a, in a small village in mm. uh, in Germany. Not sure exactly where in Germany. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the film specifies either. I can't remember either right off. But it's, um, I mean, they give the village a name, but I can't remember what that. I can't, I can't either right off. I didn't write it down. And it's probably not the name of a real place anyway. But the uh, the legend of Lorelei 
is kind of fascinating. You said you had... Uh, yeah. Um, basically, well, here's something that I thought was, was really fascinating is there's actually, along the Rhine, there is actually a formation that's called the Lorelei Rock. You know, it's, oh, a, okay. it's, a, it's a, a really huge rock formation that overlooks the Rhine. And the legend of the Lorelei, from what I was able to gather... Now, there's this thing, which you talked about, the, the Lamia, who, which is actually right. a mythological creature or from medieval times. But there was actually a, as I understand it, there was a poem that was written just in, in just the 1800s that was written about uh, this woman called the Lorelei, who was a siren. I think she, in life, she belonged to this village. And there's a story where she um, she was being sent away to become a nun, and she didn't uh, forget why the reason right off uh, what that what that was for. Um, but uh, on the way, she ended up, I believe, committing suicide. I believe jumping off the rock. I think on the way, okay. and I was being. And, and this uh, is, this is the the poem. This is from the poem from the eighteen hundreds, okay. which was called the Lorelei. And so, but to this day, a lot of people think that that comes from a lot older source. They feel like it's actually part of German mythology, and actually, it was created in the eighteen hundreds for this poem. This uh, woman who's like a, but the, anyway, she supposedly still haunts that rock. And one of the things that they they say that the echo off that rock, there's an incredible echo when you stand up there, and they say that that's the the strange sound that it makes. They say is the is her call is a siren is supposed to be the Lorelai's call. Okay, so that's part of the legend. Is this Lore, there's this place called Lorelai Rock, and one thing I thought was neat about this film, there's some great footage. Now whether they filmed or whether it's stock footage, I don't know, but it helps to set the mood. Is some of these beautiful shots looking down the Rhine from way up. Yeah, I would love to know if they actually filmed that from the Lorelai Rock. It would be fascinating to know if that's what they if they, if that's where some of that scenery is taken from. Uh, from what I can learn, there was some filming along the Rhine. Okay, so yeah, but I don't know if any yeah. of the actors were involved in that. Yeah, uh, I I I think they may have actually taken um, Helga and uh, Tony Kendall along for mm-hmm. those shots on the boat. Mm-hmm. But I'm not positive. It could all be just you know skillful editing with mm-hmm. stock footage. No, but um, supposedly that is one of the filming mm-hmm. locations, but mostly it was shot in Madrid. So, And the other research I did on this was, of course, the legend of Siegfried, which is basically yeah. Tony Kendall's character is called Sigurd, which is another name. It's another version, a variant on the name of Siegfried. Right. And I was looking to see, okay, is there a story? Because I'm, I've always liked the, always loved the Wagnerian operas, you know, the Nibelung, the, the Nibelung and then, you know, the Rhine, the Ring yep. Cycle and all that stuff. And so... And they, I, cert- they certainly reference it repeatedly oh, yeah. through the film. Yeah. So. so I had looked up to see if there was anything about Siegfried being connected to the Lorelei. And there's really actually not. Um, but there is part of Siegfried's legend is that his treasure was supposedly thrown into the Rhine. And that's supposedly where oh, they okay. And so what I thought was one of the really things that I thought was brilliant about this script and this story is the way that they took the legend of Siegfried's treasure and took this legend of the Lorelei that really don't have any cross-connection and actually brought them together and created a story to connect them, which I thought was, that's one of the things that really impressed me a lot about the story of this film and how imaginative and inventive it was to take those. And I think, you know, once again, not to get too close to spoilers, but this Mm -hmm. is spoilerish. I mean, Mm -hmm. the way Sigurd, our, 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 our hunter character Mm -hmm. does away with the monster Mm -hmm. is with an edged weapon is with a knife. Yeah. Yeah. Very much like Sigurd killing the dragon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, when he when he you know when he when he stabs it's it's this hideous mm-hmm. reptilian beast so right. all of this adds up the uh, it, there are in other words they're, they they built some parallels into their story yeah. to to go to go along with all these references mm-hmm. so that's well it was nice. so seamlessly done that I, that's why I felt that it was probably I thought it was all based that there really would be I would find some connection or some story about Siegfried actually 
being in love or under the spell of the Lorelei, and so that's it. It was interesting to me. I found out that this was all really concocted for the movie and, and very uh, very nicely done. mentioned that in case you're out there looking for this film it's also uh, kind of, you can find it under when the screaming stops now I don't know oh, yeah. uh, I don't, those may be bad versions the best version I think would have to be the BCI version that uh, that was put out uh, when they were doing those awesome uh, releases of Spanish horror that's a very nice uh, set so if you can get your hands on that but just let you know if there is a film called when the screaming stops that is this uh, which is a uh, <laughs> doesn't really make I mean other than just being a very exploitative title has nothing to do with <laughs> nothing to do with the film at hand but uh, uh, yeah there real there are a couple of alternate titles and that is the most obvious one oh. it's, it's you can find it either under the the Lorelei's grasp the grasp of the Lorelei mm-hmm. uh, the uh, strangely enough the Japanese box art called it the underwater city <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I see. Yeah, there's even better one there. And no, what's the uh, U.S. Did you, what's that say? The U.S.A. Oh, the swinging monster. the swinging monster. Are Which you kidding no me? <laughs> it's like it's no I have no idea what that's. <laughs> the swinging unless, I, unless they turned it into unless they did porn inserts. I don't know. <laughs> wow, the swinging monster. I love it. <laughs> but uh, when the screaming stops is how it got released over here to uh, drive-ins and things mm. of that nature. Apparently, so mm. when the screaming stops. Which is a really freaking generic title for yeah. a movie this yeah. offbeat. Oh yeah, and different yeah. because this is a this is a monster film. It's not like a mm-hmm. when the screaming stops sounds like a slasher or horror, something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Which makes me guess that's probably maybe when that title came along. If somebody was putting it out during the VH, if somebody was releasing it during the VHS days, and you know when the slashers were. I don't, I don't were know. I don't. Th- I don't think we'd be seeing the the uh, the movie posters for it if it was a VHS. Well, that's title, true. That's a good point. That's a good point. But um, nevertheless, the lower lies grasp. From uh, 1974, um, I, I, I'm not going to bury the lead on this one at all. I really like this movie. I've liked mm-hmm. it ever mm-hmm. since I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And so, if if I start to drift off while we're talking about this and get off into the weeds of details, I apologize for that ahead of time, folks. But uh, I really do enjoy this film. And going back through it this uh, this past uh, past week and a half, uh, a couple more times, has really just increased my love of it. It's uh, and I had never seen the film before. For some reason, oh, wow, I had really? thought that. Okay. For some reason, I had thought that I had in my mind, but I think I was confusing it with something else. Because once I started to watch it, I realized that I had never seen it, so it was quite a treat for me too. Okay, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that won't good. Let's uh, let's dig into this. The movie starts with uh, us seeing a uh, young woman uh, preparing for bed. <clears throat> she's on the second floor of the house. She's in. She spies her uh, fiance Carlo uh, Carlo outside the window. Uh, they talk, and we get from their dialogue that uh, he's been out doing a little drinking because the two of the, these two are going to be getting married the next day. Well, he goes on his way. Uh, you know, they kind of blow kisses each other. He goes on his way, 
And she is then attacked by this great big green reptilian monster. Wearing a black kind of cloak sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. a big, big cape and mm-hmm. a cloak. And so, <clears throat> although it's uh, very shadowy, we can definitely see uh, uh, kind of a frog-like mouth with teeth mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. but only very briefly and in the dark. And we can definitely see the clawed hands, which uh, tend to rip and tear this mm-hmm. woman's flesh. And by the way, her groom-to-be was a guy that we've seen uh, in oh, many yeah. things before. Uh, uh, the guy playing Carlo is a... Joseph Thelman or Jose Thelman, he went by both. But uh, he was in uh, he was in a couple of the Blind Dead films. He was in uh, Night of the Sorcerers. He was in Human Beasts, and he was in Night of the Werewolf. Definitely got around in the, in the Spanish horror things. Yeah. And yeah, he's one of those faces that mm-hmm. you know, like like yeah. we've talked like we've talked yeah. about for six years now. Is just yeah. after a while yeah. you, get, you see them turn up repeatedly <laughs> in certain movies, and you're just glad to see them. Yeah, he's kind of the seventies porn stash guy, and now you can you know, he's <laughs> yeah, always he's got, that, he's got that seventies yeah. Mark Spitz look there. He truly does. Okay, so the uh, the next scene is the funeral for this poor woman, and uh, outside the funeral, as the 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 uh, funeral is uh, progressing, we see a horse drawn coach. Uh, very elaborate, very nice. Just outside the cemetery, the uh, the driver is this really cruel looking man with a with a cool mm-hmm. goatee, mm-hmm. who is another actor that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the uh, uh, the woman who is in this uh, horse drawn coach is the she's the passenger, and that is Helga Lane. She's very pale in this movie. As a matter of fact, her 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 flesh is so mm-hmm. pale. There's mm-hmm. almost a greenish tinge yeah. to it. And the thing about it is, is she was so perfect for this role because I think that she was so pale. I don't think they had to use too much makeup on her. Too. You can tell they used some, but she was almost her skin. Almost she was almost translucent to begin with. She's so oh, yeah, pale. That, yeah, that natural redhead yeah. skin. Where mm-hmm. she's the creamy yeah. white flesh to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need to take another break. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, I mean, you, you just can't say enough about Helga Lene. She's truly one of the goddesses of the screen there. She's amazing. Yep. Well, the next scene we see is the uh, in a local restaurant where we have uh, the mayor and uh, the local doctor talking about uh, the state of the poor girl's corpse. And the doctor reveals that her heart was missing. It had mm-hmm. been torn out. Mm-hmm. Now, there's much debate amongst the, the people there in the restaurant about uh, various animals that may have done this. But uh, my, one of my favorite characters in the movie, the blind musician hippie. Yeah, because <laughs> every German <laughs> village has one. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, later on, they they mentioned that he's Hungarian. Oh, yeah, okay. So he's he's a blind Hungarian hippie music, musician, <laughs> which I want on a shirt yeah. in, the, in, the, in the shape of the logo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's what I want. But... <laughs> the, he lays the, he lays out the fact just briefly that uh, no 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 this has to do this has to do with the legend mm-hmm. and he gets hushed up really quick because nobody believes that crap come on he mentions the Lorelei it's seven full moons mm-hmm. and must devour devour hearts and hey, shut up you hippie and now my first and yeah exactly and, and the first question that comes to mind when someone mentions seven full moons is is it Natural seven full moons, or is it Paul Nashy kind of seven full moons? The Spanish <laughs> yeah, seven full moons know. that come up every single night. I don't you know. know. For like, <laughs> I don't know. We get into this. Yeah. We've had this debate and this yeah. quest to yeah. discover what in the hell is going on with full moons in Europe, <laughs> yeah. and especially in Spanish horror movies where it's involving monsters, because we just can't figure out. Mm. God damn it! How do you get seven fucking full moons? How? How in the hell? Uh, anyway, that's the legend. Mm. Seven full moons. Mm. Heart ripping and heart eating, and then this Says creature she must goes eat, back. Yeah, it goes yeah. back to sleep for centuries, and after it, it dines on seven hearts, apparently. Correct. So that's that's that, that's great, but but, but I, right. I, I love right. that the mayor's like you know, yeah, you know get, get, shut yeah, up, yeah, go on, yeah. do your thing there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the 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 mayor then gets a visit from uh, a teacher from the nearby girls' boarding school. Mm-hmm. 
Elkie? This te- huh? Elkie is her name. Elkie is her name. And uh, she, she is a lovely, oh. lovely creature. Yes, she oh, is. That's... The actress. We've seen her Oh, before. did you make the connection? I don't know if you made that. I was going to see if you made the connection. Well, with, oh, uh, wait a minute. What connection are you thinking about? With her and Helga Linnae. No, oh. I mean, not the kind, oh. not the one you kind you would fantasize, not the kind you'd, fa- you'd fantasize about, okay. but uh, I'm talking uh, about cinematic connection. I mean, like Horror Express? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was, that was, and it took me a while to when I was looking at her, I was like, I know I've seen her so before, and then I realized it was Horror Express. Well, you like, oh, it's her and Helga Linnae again. The, yeah. the, the way you started that, I yeah. thought, was there porn? <laughs> Were there photos? Is there something yeah. I've missed? My research mm. wasn't good enough. God damn it. Okay, so, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We've seen, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the actress's name uh, is uh, Sylvia. Uh, Tortosa. 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 Sylvia yes. Tortosa. And, uh, and uh, she's uh, she was born in Barcelona. Mm. So she's definitely a Spanish actress, and she was in Horror Express. She yeah. played the uh, the Countess. Yes, she is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it's it's. Uh, let's, let's go and say right here, this film is rife with uh, lovely female. <laughs> you are not females. And Helga Linnea is is pretty untouchable, but Sylvia Tortosa gives her quite a run for she's her money. She is pretty amazing, beautiful woman, woman. Yeah. and yeah. yeah, let's and she does very and she's and she does very well in this film too. I mean, she plays oh, she, she's perfectly fine, but you're right about the <laughs> pound for pound yeah. the number of gorgeous women oh in this God. film. Yeah. It's just it's like if you were to like, if you were to put them on the scales, it's like <laughs> yeah. I, I balance the mm-hmm. number of hot chicks mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. film against any Spanish horror film of the era. So. Yeah. Uh, well, at any rate, she comes up. Uh, the, the 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 teacher Elkie mm-hmm. comes up and essentially says, "Look, you know, we we you know, the, the girls' boarding school just outside of town. Mm-hmm. There's been this murder of a woman. Uh, we feel we need a place to uh, got to uh, to guard the place because we're 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 fearful that more mm-hmm. murders will happen. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, there's just a bunch of women there. Yeah. There's no men, so <laughs> Lord knows we're 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 ripe for the picking. Yeah." Well, I love the fact that she immediately gets lots of volunteers from the people in the, in the, in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they'd be glad to guard the place. Uh, uh-huh. huh. <laughs> well, the mayor says, "Well, that's that's all well and good that all these people want to volunteer, but what we probably ought to do is to contact Sigurd, mm-hmm. who's uh, really the best hunter in in the local area. We'll have him come out, and he can you know he can be the night guard for the place, and probably pretty much take care of anything that comes anywhere near you people." Mm-hmm. Well, this seems no, like a no, good idea. Yeah, although Carlo is kind of hell bent on vengeance too. For yeah. his 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 betrothed has been killed, so he's kind of saying, "You don't need this guy. I'll 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 do it." You know, so he's 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 sort of volunteering himself at the same time. And I would like to say that at that point, I thought that what was going to happen that the that the script was going to take kind of one of the easier ways out and to create some kind of ridiculous friction between. I, I thought the same thing. I thought the same <coughs> thing. But that's not what the movie no, does. No, it really doesn't. Uh, they, as, they, as a matter of fact, seem to at times know each other and get along just fine and work mm. kind of well together yeah. which is neat yeah it is good uh, because it didn't I, take that it didn't that, take what you think it's going to do yeah, yeah there's there's no there's no there's not that unnecessary yeah, just confrontation kinda, or yeah. friction between two characters that doesn't need to be there because mm. the the movie's got plenty of plot there's no need to get mm. this kind of bullshit in the way of everything so that's cool well uh the next scene <laughs> is where we get introduced to oh my god <laughs> all of the the young girls mm-hmm. Who were who uh, <clears throat> go to the girls' boarding school? I call it the babes around the pool scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all I wrote down for it was, "Damn, <laughs> uh, holy crap!" All mm. of these. I mean, there's like mm. what there are a dozen of them. Yeah, at least, at least, at least. And they're all in bikinis lounging around this pool, and mm. every stinking one of them mm. was picked out of a fashion magazine. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! It's 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 like a. a an ethnic variety pack of of different shapes, sizes, mm. color colors mm. of hair, and skin tone. <laughs> it's, it's 
this is how a lot of porn movies start is this <laughs> yeah, poolside right. scene. I'm yeah. telling you right now. And some of them never leave the pool. No, they pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did. I did. I did have to, did have to crack up about, you know, we see you setting the side and kind of watching them, you know, or the dirt. Yes. Elkie, another teacher, and then the principal. And only the principal looks like she might be old enough, even though she's attractive, yeah. too. Looks like she might be old enough to actually be the principal of the <laughs> school, whereas yeah. Elkie and the woman's next to her, you know, really? I'm not sure that they're, I'm not sure that they're even a year older than these, than these, you know, these, know, these girls know. here. It is, it is a little bizarre in that, in that the, it's, mm. it's, it's like one of my favorite jokes from, uh, from Diner, mm. where the guy's bitching about Bonanza. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't believe it. You got the 50 year old guy <laughs> and then his three 47 year old son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you the mayor? Yes, I am. I'm Elke Ackerman. Remember me? Ah, uh, yes. You're one of the professors at the girls' school, aren't you? Yes. What can I do for you? We need protection. What? They've murdered a young girl, and it could happen again. You're right, young lady. There will be more deaths. Lorelei will need new victims. Many more victims. Shut up, you hear me? Uh, you go on, young lady. The residence is quite separated from the village, and we're women alone. We need your guarantee that nothing will occur to us. We need it. Or else we'll have to go somewhere that offers more security. I'll stand guard. Count on me. And I'll bring my bloodhounds along. Uh, don't you worry, young lady. We'll protect the residence. I'll bring Seargood. He's a hunter with a great deal of experience. You'll be safe. I hope so. Well, good night. Good night. You don't have to send for Searbird. I'll hunt down this beast. Well, as you were saying, the the, the Elkie, our teacher, uh, our hot teacher, uh, sitting there <laughs> along with the headmistress, uprides on his badass motorcycle, mm-hmm. uprides all dressed in white. Oh, yeah. Is uh, Tony Kendall, our mm-hmm. great white hunter. Comes up, introduces himself with the gun, you know, gun mm-hmm. strapped, uh, gun strapped yeah. over his shoulder. And uh, yeah, let's just say Tony Kendall yeah, was was he, he was 70s sex personified. Oh, he was well. I I, I was gonna say we he just know that throughout this film he wears the he sports the very latest in big white game big game big game hunter garb. You know he's like the uh, you his, know, his the, fashion sense is second. It time. is. It is. And uh, well, let's point out who Tony Kendall is. He was actually an Italian uh, model turned film actor uh, who did a lot of movies during the period. Mm-hmm. His his name his real name was uh, Luciano Stella, and uh, he t- he took the name uh, Tony Kendall in the uh, fashion of many Italian actors at the time, mm-hmm. simply because you know you get you know it's 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 something that uh, makes him more presentable to mm-hmm. other countries. Mm-hmm. He's most famous for uh, his various on screen teamings with Brad Harris. Uh, with the two kind of predating even uh, Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer right. as a kind of prolific action team. Yeah, the uh, I was going to ask you what is it the Commissar X films or what are what exactly. I was going to ask you if you've ever seen any of those. No, I remember now here's, reading, here's the yeah. embarrassing thing is I pulled them out because I've had them for a good long while and I've never watched them. But the Commissar X films I know are supposed to be a blast and I've yeah. just never watched them. Okay, but you do have them, so that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember reading an article a while back in Video Watchdog on those, and I thought well, these sound awfully because I knew who Tony Kendall was by that time, and yeah. I thought these sound like a lot. Well, of fun. yeah, I, I definitely want to see them now. Uh, Tony Kendall, you may have seen he has a he has a role in the Whip in the Body mm-hmm. for uh, for Bava. 
He was in uh, Machine Gun McCain uh, for Osorio. He was also in the second Blind Dead mm-hmm. film, which we've talked we covered, about before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's another one of those guys who mm-hmm. um, he's just he's he, 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 I'm I'm glad to see him, and of course yeah. I'm sure the women are too. Yeah, he always he always plays. There's a reason he yeah, was a fashion model. Yeah. He's a good looking guy. guy. He really is a hunky dude. So uh, wears them wide collars well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's got to stay. He's <laughs> to be honest, if you were to look up. <laughs> In an Italian dictionary, the word studly, and his picture was not beside it. It's only because there was too much competition at the time. And Franco Nero was alive. So, uh, he rides up, and immediately, of course, Elkie is like, okay, wait a minute, no. We cannot have this guy around these women. Because immediately the girls go insane, and are like, woohoo! Oh my God! I've got to put on a dress. And I'm thinking, why are you wanting to go put on a dress? Yeah, that was the when the fact that you're in a bikini <laughs> automatically is drawing his attention. Yeah, the way they react, I, I wasn't sure if he was actually going to make it intact up those stairs. <laughs> the stairs you know, I yes. thought by the time I thought it'd be just kind of a frenzy, and then maybe just see a shred of shirt and like the pieces of the gun <laughs> laying around, and he would be gone, and all the women would just be sort of licking their lips, or you know, just he would be <laughs> holding he would be holding onto his pants just yeah. to retain something around his hips. Oh my God, what the fuck was that? <laughs> tornado of various shades yeah. of hair and skin and suddenly I don't have any clothing on. And they've, they've already sort of gone out of their way to they're trying to, to make us know, realize that Elkie is somewhat prim and repressed or yeah. you know that she's you know in fact sometimes she's almost comically dressed like you know to I mean not, not in the way that she doesn't look attractive but just that they have her wearing you know her clothes usually you know, up to the up to, up the, to chin. the chin, and you know, well, and her, her hair, hair is up in a bun. In a bun and her, yeah, yeah, and so they're trying to, to convey that she's a little, uh, a little uh, repressed, and, you and, know. and she gets. And what's wild is that as she gets more comfortable around Kendall's character, Sigurd, mm, throughout mm, the film, she mm. does start to dress a little less mm, yeah. conservatively as, right. the, as the story progresses. But yeah, it is one of those <laughs> those standard movie visual things. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, visual here, code. Here, here is here mm. is a repressed character. Here yeah. is someone who is trying to keep her sexuality <laughs> under control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get it. But here's yeah. well, here's another mm. thing that I that I kind of kind of like this is you pointed out that she's kind of uh, prim and proper, but you could also must also kind of say since she's not throwing herself at the incredibly hunky man in the in the room like everybody else. She's kind of uh, an innocent or demure, which paints her mm. as what she becomes, which is the final girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're which, right. You know, exactly. We're yeah. years away from that becoming yeah. the trope of the slasher, the slasher genre. But mm. here it is. Mm. You know, years before the slasher yeah. genre becomes the thing that it's going to become, mm. and showing you know, hey, it's not just something that the slashers invented or the genre yeah, right. invented or whatever. Mm. It's one of those things that kind of mm. bubbles up because. Uh, like my like one of my favorite quotes, and I, I'll get it wrong, I'll mangle it. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Brian De Palma about uh, when when he was being kind of bashed around from pillar to post for uh, for uh, killing off women in his thrillers in the eighties, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, well, people kind of like seeing women put in jeopardy. It works. It's mm-hmm. it's a thriller. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what this mm-hmm. is about. Is you're trying mm-hmm. to get you know you're trying to put someone who's auto, who you're automatically keyed into." Yeah. Uh, fearing for because mm-hmm. they you know they're not a big burly strong hunky right. guy right or they're not you know someone who you see as someone able to protect themselves they're mm-hmm. already someone that is mm-hmm. at risk just by virtue of being the type of person mm-hmm. they are yeah and he's like yeah it's just it, it works and if, you know, mm-hmm. he's right it works and, and mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the the concept of getting to the point where it's a trope to mm-hmm. have 
the mm. last surviving victim, the one who actually finally survives mm. the entire encounter, being a woman, mm. it's it's been in horror for a long time. It had, yeah. And uh, here it is, right here. I, yeah. I mean, like I say, we told you up front we're spoiling it, and yeah. she survives the fucking movie. So there. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, right off, yeah, she definitely, she's definitely a bit, a bit icy with uh, with Sigurd at first. There, oh, you know. No, and yeah. it, in fact, all the other, in fact, even their fellow teacher and principal are very welcoming to him but she's the one who says no you sleep in the garage or whatever or the barn <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're, yeah, you're not sleeping in the building yeah. with all the girls <laughs> yeah. right. which is probably, <laughs> probably smart, smart probably, yeah. Yeah, probably not a bad idea I mean no matter how nice and good a guy Sigurd is yeah, I mean, and, he, and he is he, yeah, as the yeah. movie progresses you yeah. see that he is a stand up guy he's not yeah. he's not some sleazeball no. No, because he doesn't. He doesn't James Bond his way through this, <laughs> <laughs> through this yeah. this bevy of babes. But when you're Tony Kendall, your very presence is going to keep things upset in the barnyard in every way, as the old blue song says. So yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, that 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 first night we see Sigurd on patrol. <laughs> this and- is great too because he apparently his you know hunting at night means you trade in your sharp white jacket. And slacks and and flowery shirt for a sharp brown jacket and slacks <laughs> you, and flowery shirt. You dress shirts. down. Yeah. You want to blend. You dress down. down. You want to be camouflaged. Yeah. <laughs> but but I love that uh, in, in the windows, all, oh, all the girls are, are making sure good. that he can see them as they prepare themselves for bed. Yeah. Which which I thought was great because he's like, you can see you can see that he's yeah. like, well, I can't not look. Yeah, he's like, I'm supposed to be oh, watching. God. <laughs> So and that and that that night that first night he's on on uh, patrol, we see in the village or the town or wherever it is, mm-hmm. uh, a servant leaving her employer's house after dark, mm-hmm. which is a bad idea. Yeah, and of course what we think is going to happen is that of course the servant's going to get killed, but the movie pulls a switcheroo and the beast stalks and murders the employer who is mm-hmm. a hot blonde. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's let's be honest, she we is. have once again she in this is. scene we have two extra hot chicks. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and it's the employer who who gets killed. She gets a slashed. We get we we get shots of a lot of slashing and ripping of flesh, mm-hmm. concentrating on the torso and the yeah. neck. Yeah, some of the, the the I think the killings get sort of progressively more explicit as we yeah. go. They yeah. get a little more yeah. gorier with each one. So. Yeah, because I think it's the next one where we see the we actual, actually see the actual, we actually see the removal of the heart. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, the next day we see the 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 blind Hungarian hippie musician, who like I say. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, I want it. Yeah. Uh, and he's a violinist, by the way. We see him busking mm-hmm. and making, you know, the living that he makes out on the street. I believe he's playing a song about the Laura, isn't he? Or correct. Yeah. He's asked about it by Elkie, who uh, he he tells her that it's uh, uh, you know that it is a song about uh, the Lorelei, and she thinks this is charming. And the really interesting thing about this scene, really, is that we see for the first time this older, gray-haired man. Uh, well, we mm-hmm. actually saw him earlier, mm-hmm. kind of off to the side, but not saying anything in the restaurant. But here he comes up and actually speaks to the hippie. Mm-hmm. And he only ideas himself as someone that believes in the lo- the story of the Lorelei because he's he's questioning yeah. the he's yeah. questioning the, the the musician about right. what he knows about this, other than just mm-hmm. you know the the stories he's telling of the legend. Well, next we see the uh, the servant returning to the the house where the hot blonde was and finds the dead woman. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> Cut to her funeral, which I mean that's quick. That means that funeral's happening the same day, because yeah. we don't get another night. We no. get right to the funeral. <laughs> well, once again, while this funeral is is going on, we have the horse drawn coach mm-hmm. again out lurking outside the cemetery. While uh, Helga and her weird uh, carriage driver there, and I'm watching what's yep, going on. Yep, and this time Sigurd, who's at the funeral, spots the carriage. 
but uh, no one else seems to. And then uh, when he, you know when he decides to go over and take a look for himself, the thing's already gone. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> okay, Sigurd's second night at the boarding Great school. Great scary noise there, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. That's uh, made the hair rise up. professional yeah, special effects yeah. there that I've, I've, perf- I've, I've perfected over uh, time. I thought it was your stock and trade Dan Curtis noises there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, I am someone with a bizarre synthesizer in the early yeah. 70s. Okay, uh, we the second night we see uh, the teacher and the Sig uh, and Sigurd exchanging looks through the windows instead of him st- instead of him he's watching the, at the, uh, girls, the girls. He's catching her that evening as he's on patrol. Sigurd spots our dear Helga mm-hmm. the, in her big uh, hooded cloak, mm-hmm. and she immediately sees him and runs off. Now uh, he loses her in, in the bushes and the trees. And right after that, we hear a wolf howl, which means Nashi is nearby means, making yeah. another film. He's off somewhere. <laughs> well, making you know, the seven movie. moons are affecting him, too. So he's Well, it's got to be. I mean, yeah. there's no other way, right? That's, <laughs> right. That's, apparently, Lorelai's and lycanthropes. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the way it's always going to be. Uh, we uh, next see the hippie at his own home, and it's that same night. Mm-hmm. And the beast stalks and attacks the hippie. Mm, and claws yep, open his yep. chest. And this is where we see the, the the heart get ripped out of the chest. Yep, yep. Now, this is where we the movie tells us, without blaring it out, that she's not just after hot chicks. Yeah, and that's I thought I was going to say the same thing, too. Is this where you realize that it's okay. It's apparently not just a vendetta against women. You know, right. this is basically just any, any human hearts will do. <laughs> any will do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very tasty. Thank yeah. you. Could you eat more salt? Because it was kind of bland. Uh, the next day, we've got uh, we, we got some jumping music when we cut back to the pool I, this time. This was some cool ass yeah. music. I know there's some cool. I, I like. I want to say I like. I love the main theme. Yes. of This film is uh, is great. Uh, the uh, music is actually uh, I believe has name Anton Garcia Abril. I believe is who I wrote yeah. down the name A B R I L. And he he's actually uh, done the scores for a number of the films that we've covered over the years. Uh, he did uh, he did Tim's the Blind Dead, that amazing mm-hmm. score for. Oh Tim's yeah, the Blind God, Dead. that's fantastic. Uh, he did for Nashi. He did uh, Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman, mm-hmm. Curse of the Devil. Uh, he did uh, the second Blind Dead film as well, as well as Ghost Galleon and, and Night of the Sequels. He did all the Blind did Dead all the movies. Blind uh, he also did uh, if you're if you're curious and it's worth checking out. Uh, it's not that hard to find because uh, the film Man Eater of Hydra. Okay, I've heard was, of that. Uh, it's actually yeah. pretty easy to get your hands on. It was one of those movies that got released with the Elvira stuff, where oh, you can okay, watch it right. with or without. Yeah. Not a bad little movie. It's interesting. It's worth it's worth checking out, but he did the score for that back in 67 as well. I, I, made, I, made, I made joke about this this smash cut into seeing mm. the, into the yeah. pool and this, yeah. this ju- jumping, yeah. just jumping cool music. Yeah. But that's not a critic. That's not a criticism no. of the music. No, the music's fine. I mean, even when even the scenes where the girls are checking out Sigurd from their windows, you get this jazzy kind of. I mean, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's you know, cool. it's it's cool music. It's, yeah. it's yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, Sigurd is not allowed to swim with the girls, so he goes off to the lake. And when he's there, he spots the nearly nude Helga Lanay again. Now, I say nearly nude because I think the idea here is that I mean, because she's wearing this incredibly thin. Little little nothing green, that's covering bikini, dark green yeah it's like a, bikini, it's kind yeah. of a, like a bikini yeah. but it's mm-hmm. it's the idea is that she really isn't wearing much of anything yeah i mean at all right and it's enhanced by the fact that she's barefoot so he he spots her there next to the next to the water she runs off he doesn't see you know he he he, he completely loses her but then when Sigurd's walking along the pathway, he spots the lurking professor, the gray-haired man that, yeah. that talked to the hippie earlier. 
Before uh, we go there, I just want to jump in oh, real sure. quick and just say back to this scene where with with Helga Linnae. Right. I don't know what time of year this movie was made, <laughs> but, but knowing what the actresses in European horror films had yeah. to go through, it would not surprise me if the weather if the weather was sub Arctic and the fact that she's also also uh, completely c- and and also forced to run through these marshes barefoot and if you watch it you may think at first well she has such a a light dainty step but it's probably because she's praying not to like step on something that's going to pierce her foot (laughs) she's probably give her an infection (laughs) poor thing is having to so it's one of those things where once again my hat's off to what these women's Suffered for our pleasure, you know. To, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, but and uh, she did, it, and she definitely did it more than once. Because oh God! Just, we, we have yeah. the we have the scene later on where yeah. it's, it's it's similar where she runs off again. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not the same take. Yeah. So now, uh, now yeah. I also did you think anything? Did anything occur to you when when you saw these marshes in this lake? Did it, did it remind okay. you of something? Now I wanted I wanted to talk about that a little bit because yes, it looks like exactly the same <laughs> yeah. spot where they shot. Horror rises yes. from the tomb, and and it could and be that, so does yeah. the house. Yes, yeah, see, I was wondering if that. I mean, of course, now in horror rises from the tomb, wasn't that wasn't that actually Paul Nashie's but I former wonder, estate or his family former? But estate? I wonder if it's mm. if it's not the same house. It may be just another one in the area that's because, kind of in that same decor, maybe that same yeah. sort of style of house. But right. that lake, I mean, I saw it and I thought, okay, now maybe these kind of locations that look like that are all through. Europe or Spain, but I swear though, you mean yeah? I wonder if you thought the same thing because I thought, man, that looks just like where they filmed Horror Rises from. It's got to be the same place. Yeah. It really yeah. does have to be the same place yeah, because even the angle from which they're yeah. shooting the, yeah. the, the the body of water, yeah. it's it's like well, everything looks the same. It's like it's it's like it was <laughs> shot. I mean, because if this was shot in say seventy, it was released in seventy four, so shot in seventy three. Mm-hmm. Horror Rises from the Tomb was shot in early 72. Two, right, yeah. So it's only a year later, so yeah. it would look exactly the same unless something bizarre had happened. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think, yeah. Okay, well, right. good. I'm glad you thought that. I, 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 yeah, I would love to know if that was the same spot, but I'm almost positive it is. I I, I, I think it has to be, yeah. Mm. But, uh, so he, he uh, she, she, run, she runs off, he loses her, he comes, he, he runs across the lurking professor, mm-hmm. and uh, they get into a discussion where the professor, it's Professor uh, Van, uh, Van Lander, mm-hmm. explains what the hell he's doing here. Welcome to my humble laboratory. You may consider yourself at home. Thank you. Here I have carried out experiments which science would consider fantastic. And, of course, against all the elemental principles of biology, as it is understood today. Yes, I see. But what has all this to do with the legend of Lorelei? You don't understand? No. Come. Look. The chameleon. An animal descended from the prehistoric Saurians. What color is it? Can you tell me? (laughs) Well, I guess clear chestnut or such. Isn't that right? The nature of this animal is that it changes its color through a voluntary chemical reaction. Yes, but that's nothing new. Eh? Follow me. These pieces are anatomical. I got them from the hospital to carry out my experiments. We shall operate on this hand, a marvelous example of the complexity of the human body. Okay, so I, I love the fact that uh, 
you know, these archetype. I had a, f- a lot of fun with these these sort of archetype characters that are that are all part of this that we've seen in other horror films too. Is like hearing this. I love the fact that this German village. Not only does every German village or every little village have its own blind hippie fiddler who 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 knows the local legends, but but everyone, but also each one has its own Van Helsing that's working in his lab. And in this case, in this case, is they even name him Van Lander, you know, and so he's the yes. local Van Helsing who's uh, who's using science to track down the uh, exact creature. And of course, finding out that uh, you know he's, he's got, there's the myth that he's uh, he's interested in the myth, mm-hmm. not of the vampire, but of the Lorelei. Mm-hmm. He has devised this way to test his theories on how to do away with the creature, and I love the fact that he's come up with a way to kill the thing. Yeah, yes, yeah. He has come up with Sigrid's sword. Mm-hmm. Or Sigmund's sword. Or Sig- in this or case, Sigurd's they call it Sigurd's sword. or Siegfried or, yeah, right. Which is a radioactive knife. Yeah. Now, Who knew? Who I'm going to say that one more time. Yes. The way to kill the Lorelei is with a radioactive, radioactive knife. knife. <laughs> At your local so, curio shop. Go to your local curio shop. They're sure to have one. You need to go. You need to go to Three Mile Island or yeah. Chernobyl. You need to hunt around in the utility <laughs> shed and find you a good spork. I have not been able as yet to get living beings on whom I can carry out cellular mutations. The analytic spectrum of this light is similar to that of moonlight. The photochemical action is transforming its cellular structure and successive mutations. It's a return back to the beginning, to the distant origin of the species. have just seen a poor imitation of the phenomenon of Lorelei. The action of the moon cultivates the marvels of metamorphosis. Excuse me, Professor, but this has nothing to do with me. You know, I kill the game as it comes within my sights. <laughs> I don't wait to find out what it is. Can't you guess my objective? I have to destroy a monster that's invincible. Much more dangerous because no one believes in it. If it's invincible, how do you intend to kill it? With a bullet or with a knife? Very good question. You recall that the sword of Siegfried had certain qualities that were invincible. So you're still joking about legends, eh, Professor? It's no joke, my young man. It has radioactivity. It can destroy the cellular mutations of Lorelei and can send her back into the legendary night from which she has come. Come with me. Yes, so he has. I love the fact that he he uh, he has the human hand. He injects with mm. something. Oh yeah, yeah. right. The, the, the simbri- <laughs> somehow yeah, somehow the this simbri- is going to yeah. make the hand just like the, the Lorelei's yeah. flesh. Oh yeah, which it, yeah. And then he beams it with moonlight, mm-hmm. and it turns into a reptilian hand. And then he stabs, he stabs it, it with it. the radioactive knife <laughs> and kills it. Singer yeah. just, just accepts all this without blinking. He's just like, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is, all I can picture is this von Helsing surrogate yeah. sitting around and going. 
how can I kill things and get away with it? <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of plucking the flies' <laughs> wings off and killing butterflies with pins. So right. what do I do next? <laughs> God. Okay. So uh, we we next see the the our teacher Elkie visiting the sleeping Sigurd, mm-hmm. and she she comes in. It's the morning. And she's like, oh, what, you're still asleep? And Sigurd <laughs> like, looks at her and goes, look, I'm up woman. all night. Woman, I'm guarding at night. That's I sleep in the day. He's getting a little preview that this woman could be a battle axe if you, uh, if you end up putting <laughs> yeah, a ring on that finger there. should be, uh, yeah, be the old ball and chain there. This, man. <laughs> but he, he, so they get to talking about monsters and uh, this, that, and the other. And so since Sigurd has all this new information, he goes, hey, let's take a boat ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is... <laughs> Not as crazy as it sounds. Well, the first the motorcycle ride, then the boat ride. So you True. know she's really, yeah, she's really uh, starting to become a wild woman with Sigurd there. Well, as and like you said, her and like you said, the hair starts to come down. She starts, yeah. you know, the well, collar, dressed, the collar in, starts uh, to get unbuttoned a little right. bit there. She's dressed in a blouse and pants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which which makes sense because if she's going to get in a motorcycle, on a yeah. motorcycle, <laughs> she <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that tight skirt she was wearing there wouldn't wouldn't go very well. <laughs> Excuse me, folks. But they go on a boat ride on the Rhine River, of course, with Carlo as their pilot. So this is where we see, you know, Carlo again mm-hmm. before, yeah, before his untimely demise. We yeah. bring and he's just and he's pretty much part of the team now. I mean, he's taking them on a tour of the Rhine, and yeah. uh, and they talk about the gold. They even talk about the gold that's guarded by the the Sifrid's gold that's now guarded by the Nibelungen. And as they talk, we get we get a shot of Helga. Under the yeah, water, yeah. kind of listening into them, right? And this is a repeated shot that happens a few times during the film, uh, during the daylight hours, uh, to get so that so that we uh, see that uh, the Lorelei is aware mm-hmm. of what's going on, kind of in her yeah. realm, I guess. And these scenes are intercut back with what I was talking about: these breathtaking shots, looking up oh, high Rhine, over yeah. the Rhine, and making me wonder if they were filmed from the Lorelei Rock. You know, although I'm sure there's tons of places along the Rhine where you have these kind of views. But yeah, I think no, they no. do a great job of just setting. I think they do a great job of setting the atmosphere. Whether these are stock yeah. footage or not, I'm really glad they put these scenes in here because it really is really does a lot to add to the atmosphere of the film. It, it, it does. It gives it, it kind of and it it kind of opens it up because mm-hmm. uh, the the nighttime attack scenes are that take place you know amongst a bunch of hedges and bushes and things yeah. like that. And they look yeah. like they could be sets or they could be on locations, but yeah, regardless, it's yeah. still kind of a hemmed in kind of yeah. area. And so. The more scenes you have like this in different locations around uh, wherever mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. uh, on locations or in uh, group se- group settings, it opens up the the feel of the film and it doesn't feel confined. It doesn't feel claustrophobic. And this is you know this is this is this is something good because it feels like this is something that's happening in this area instead yeah. of it just being this kind of enclosed small scale thing. Yeah. Next, we have the third night with Sigurd guarding the place, and this is when Carlo is attacked and his heart is ripped out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we, ha- it's almost well, again. It's this. It's this whole. Europe, what is this obsession with Europeans with walking in the dead of night? And you know when there's know. when there's notorious monsters and killers around. Of course, I realize Carlo kind of sees himself as kind of a he man anyway. But still, he's you know walking in the dead, walking in the dead of night, just taking the night stroll. And a giant reptilian creature rips your heart out. It's just yeah. the way it is. Yep. Uh, and the day after that night, Sigurd goes to the lake to, and goes to the lake again, and sure enough, sees our. Nearly nude Helga Linnea again. This time he follows her, mm-hmm. and it's almost as if she allows him to follow her mm-hmm. to this kind of ruined cottage. And they have a conversation there. They actually speak to one another. Yeah. Uh, he asks her name. 
Uh, and she and she kind of plays around with the idea and says, well, what do you think of the name Lorelai? And yeah. he's at first kind of surprised and, and finds it amusing, yeah. but she insists that that's her name. They start talking about the the legend surrounding that name, and sure as hell, Tony Kendall, being the macho guy he is, leans yeah. in and kisses her. Yeah. Now, and before he does that, he basically just lets it slip that Professor Lander is investigating the lower lights. Like, oh, uh, know, not know. a good move, not good, Tony. But uh, yeah, and, and he even he even he, I, he's not fully bought into things because he yeah. even says, "Oh yeah," and he's trying to figure out a way to kill the Laurel. <laughs> yeah. I think he's figured it out. I think he knows how to do it. As a matter of fact, I think that he's probably the only threat that the Lorelei might have. As a matter of fact, if I were the Lorelei, I would, I would probably just go, go and, and kill, kill this guy him. immediately. I know the Lorelei's like, well, I gotta have love to talk, but I gotta run. Okay, look, I'd love I've to sit here in and, town. and swap spit with you, but I got a dude I gotta go kill. So, well, no, you're right. Actually, he they do begin to swap spit until she begins to hyperventilate, which I think all women do when Tony Kendall kisses them anyway. So, yeah. Well, I did think it was amazing because she acts really stunned by this kiss, or kind yeah. of surprised by mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and. Uh, she confesses that no one has ever dared to kiss her. Yeah. Why did you run away? What do you want? <laughs> to see you. To speak with you. But why? I don't know. You seem different from the other women I know. Now you've seen me. And spoken to me. You've complied with your desire. Now go. You don't live here, do you? No. I live near here. I've never seen you until now. You see, I haven't been out in many years. (laughs) But there couldn't have been too many. Many more than you can imagine. What's your name? Doesn't matter. Don't you want to tell it to me? Do you like the name Lorelei? Lorelei? But it can't be. It's impossible. Why? Because I heard them tell a story recently. A terrible one. Who? Some man who's half crazy, a professor von Lander. He does experiments on mutations of cells and things like that. His only obsession is to destroy the legend. And do you believe in legends? No. And you? Some legends are true. Yeah. And it, actually, the the this this is a this is a neat little this is a neat little section of dialogue here, and uh, there was a part of me that thought, "Wow, do they end up just fucking here? Do they mm. have sex? Do they <laughs> do they get down mm. to it?" Mm. But it doesn't appear that that's what happens because they only get to a certain point. He uh, he removes this pearl necklace around her neck, and that is not a sexual. Con- yes, that is not. not a there's statement. nothing. But we will talk about that necklace. Uh, uh, and she starts to kind of hyperventilate and, and mm. kind of act mm. in a very odd fashion when suddenly that cruel-looking servant of hers mm. with the goatee just shows up out of nowhere and goes, "You should have kept her out this long." Yeah. And picks her up mm. and walks off into the lake while Tony Kendall's going, what the hell? Kind of, and like, the servant's going, hey, hey, get the necklace. He turns around to get the necklace, which has sunk, sunk into, the into the ground. He can't find the necklace, comes back out, and they're gone. Yeah. The last time he saw right. them, the servant was right. carrying her into the mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Which is just a cool freaking scene. The whole oh, thing. yeah. Oh, it's a very cool scene. But i got to ask you... Uh, 
Do you, did you ever figure out what the hell this necklace? Does this necklace have any? Did you figure out the significance? Well, remember, what did I miss? He, he, I was remember trying to later on when he's down in the Lorelei's place, he finds the necklace again. He picks it up. It's back. Okay, in the so basically the idea then is if it lands because it's part of her treasure, it finds its way back. back I guess yeah. by seeping. Okay, because that's what I didn't catch. I was trying to figure out because I thought. The significance he gave the necklace was, is this some kind of, has he taken some kind of power from her, or is this some kind of, and the fact that Alberic, who, by the way, is the servant's name, we haven't oh, said yeah, that I'm yet. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, yes. Alberic, sorry. that he turns back and says, bring the necklace, so I am keep waiting for this necklace to become something significant, but I, I see what you're saying. I didn't pick up on the fact that I guess He was just wanting him to not see mm. them kind of go into the water and not come back out. Okay, all right, I get you, I get you. All right, well, that's, that's cool. Um... And of course, what do they do next? Since since Sigurd has has told her, oh, by the way, Von Helsing, I mean, uh, Van Lander, yeah, Van, uh, yeah. We go go back to the lab, and Mm -hmm. of course, uh, what's his name? Alberic. Alberic Alberic walks in, followed by the Lorelei, and Mm -hmm. boy, does the Von Helsing character get whipped up. He comes to a bad end. He comes to a very bad end. Well, and it's it's almost hideous. Yeah. She's not going to take this guy's heart. Yeah. So he's whipped mercilessly yeah. by her servant <laughs> yeah. while she burns all the dude's research notes. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor, in a fit of just accidental clumsiness, overturns a vial <laughs> of acid onto his own um, head. Yeah. <laughs> acid to the face. Yeah. Take that, Lucio Fulci. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, and it's, and it's, it's kind of hideous. Uh, <laughs> next, we see Sigurd back at the lake. Mm-hmm. He he's, he goes to the ruined cottage where he had the little uh, encounter mm-hmm. with Helga before. Lo and behold, there's the beloved redhead again, mm-hmm. and they have another little conversation here. He explains that he's this time it gets this, a little more heated. This yeah, this gets heated because she wants to talk to him about what he's doing, mm-hmm. and. She doesn't want him to do it. Oh, she's right. trying to not let on that. Mm-hmm. By the way, you're hunting me. Yeah. <laughs> And See, he, this body, this is what you want to... This, this is, is what you, is what you want right here, right? Yeah. right? But, he, I mean, he makes it clear that, yeah, he's very interested in her, but that he's not going to leave his job. He's mm-hmm. given his word, and he's going to follow through. He's going to he's going to hunt down this this beast that's killing people. Well, she's not real happy about this, and she uh, she says... I mean, she's she's about to go off, and she mm-hmm. says that... Uh, and he's, he asks, when, I, when will I see you again? And she says, at the right time, I will send for you. And then you will never leave me. Mm. <laughs> now, me a normal guy, yeah. if Helga Lene ever said that to me, yeah, like, I would be cool. And you, <laughs> you do have my phone number, right? Yeah, there. right. <laughs> but in this there context, is something about her phrasing that yeah. maybe you should pay a little more attention to. Yes, <laughs> in this context, I'm not sure that's a good thing. <laughs> well, cut to, and I can never get enough of this. Mm. The girls at the pool. Oh yeah. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. The mayor has come by the school to tell them of the hippie's death. <laughs> I'm not really sure why he wants to tell them about the I hippie's don't death. No, exactly. Just like, oh yeah. No. Well, anyway, we we, we need to tell them town gossip, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and so uh, he's, he's he's there to, to drop this this info nugget, and uh, he's talking to uh, Elkie, and he, and Sigurd shows up mm-hmm. just in, just in time to let everybody know, hey. I'm not some slacker asshole. And you yeah. can talk about me without me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so he actually Sigurd just says, okay, well, look, we need to go and uh, we need to go talk to the professor. So yeah. the mayor sends uh, Sigurd off to talk to the professor with his kind of right hand man, the, yeah. uh, the, the mayor's right hand man. And uh, 
they find the professor's body all right. Yeah, I like when they first find they go in there. First, they find that all of his animals have been let loose, and they're all just kind of roaming around his lab. They open know, the door, and, open the door, the sheep wanders sheep out. out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, his body. I, I love the fact that he, clearly they they picked up his body and, and put it, in, a it chair. in there and turned it back to that. It's like, boy, the next person coming in here is going to get quite a shock. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be here. I can see the Lorelai's like, damn, I wish I could just be here to see their face when they turn. <laughs> <laughs> the Lorelai prankster. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going through. They go through what's left of the professor's notes, and they get a little bit of information from it. Uh, the line uh, "Full moon gives it power. Mm. Uh, human hearts will be its only food during the seven nights of Wotan." Mm-hmm. Interesting. Just enough left over to keep us intrigued. Yeah. And to add a little bit of mystery mm, to yeah. the mythology and legend. Did it strike you at any point how much this sounds like Nashi and something Nashi would come up with? And it kind of is. Ger- it really this whole is. Germanic legend. And what it really made me think about, once again, Horror Rises from the Tomb, the Thor's hammers. You know, maybe right. we throw that in there, you know, so... It's one thing I thought about. You know, as, as steadily as Tony Kendall is, I could have seen this movie filmed with Nashi in that role. You know, Nashi is the, in the, well, the secret role. You're talking about... Um, I think that there's probably a lot of influence in this movie in the success of the Nashi films that have come before this and, mm-hmm. that, and have been such big hits. And yeah, I think that he's yeah. taking some cues. I think he's taking some definite cues from those movies mm-hmm. in what they did. Because mm-hmm. what we have here is the Lorelai talking about uh, you know going off with Sigurd to you know to live in Valhalla to live forever mm-hmm. and uh, you know this that and the other to to essentially become immortal. And it's and it really is this kind of bizarre mixing of different mythologies and different mm-hmm. legends yeah. to kind of be its own bizarre thing. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that I I love so much about the specific Spanish vein of Eurohara of the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. which is this desire, um, primarily through the influence of Nashi's love of the classic horror films, to kind of create a mythology Mm-hmm. That isn't specifically yeah. tied down to yes. anything from the past, but it's exactly. kind of an amalgam of a lot of yeah. different things. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a joy to to, to see this because it yeah, does it create is. a kind of strangely alternate world. Yeah, a different yeah, exactly. Place. It does create this feeling um, of a different. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like fantasy land Europe, mm-hmm. which is yeah. what a lot of the like classic universal horror films and hammer horror films do. Is is where where are they? Where where what where is this place? Mm-hmm. You know, questions like, well, how did they get from there to there without taking a boat? Because mm-hmm. aren't, were, were we back in England? <laughs> does this take place in France? Yeah. Yeah. Where are they? And so that's its own. Mm-hmm. Mythical land, and I love that mm-hmm. because it's, it's uh <clears throat> it's it's this acknowledgement that at a certain point uh, we're creating our own places. Even we're creating mm-hmm. our own mm-hmm. legends, our own ideas, our own stories, and they take place within this mythical place. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we see uh, well we said he was reading about the seven nights of Wotan. Yeah. And uh, and also in this scene, uh, Sigurd uh, does take the dagger with him. That was oh, a, yeah, he two, takes the radioactive two, two places where Lorelai and Alberic screwed up. They didn't totally burn the notes, and they didn't uh, take the dagger. They didn't realize well, the significance they of the dagger. Yeah, they didn't know about the knife. Right, exactly. They yeah. probably wouldn't. They probably would have had no idea what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, next, we have one of my all-time favorite things. Is something that points directly back to some of my favorite. Oh yes, I know what you're going to say. Same here. 
the angry villagers, villagers. torch-bearing, <laughs> torch-bearing pitchfork-wielding villagers who, who got goddamn It doesn't matter what century, what decade we are in, no. these villagers have a pitchfork and torches ready to go. And one of them's gonna rake. <laughs> yeah. I will rake the shit out of you, buddy. I will rake you until your leaves yeah. are gone. If this movie was made now, you know, they'd have their, they'd be having their cell phones in one hand talking on their pitchfork in the hand. You know, exactly. The God damn it. This app tells me this is the best pitchfork for killing monsters. So what we have here is the, the, the torch-bearing villagers go talk mm. to the mayor because they are pissed. People mm. are dying. Something's got to happen, and mm. it ain't going to be me. Uh, but the mayor talks them down. Uh, convince them to wait until daylight because it's at night when this shit goes down and who knows what could happen in the dark. We might kill each other. And by the way, let's just say the point out that the mayor is, uh, um, I believe, is uh, Louis Nduni, I think. Yes, Louis Nduni is playing oh, the mayor. Oh, yeah. He was, we, he was the meat-headed uh, uh, would-be uh, thief in Dr. Jekyll and the Werewolf who just refused, Otvoss, as they called him, who just refused to give up trying to... Uh, <laughs> trying to rob the Nashi lands there. Yeah. He was also in Exorcismo. He was in Night of the Howling Beast. He was our Sekar Khan in uh, Night of the Howling Beast. Oh, yeah. And he was in Kilma, Queen of the Amazons. And he was also in The Marshal of Hell. So we've seen Louis and Dooney quite a bit. It's very true. It's very true. He has been, uh, he's been so he pop, pop, popped up. And you, This is probably the most sedate, reserved, or respectable role we played in anything we saw him in, playing the mayor here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what's weird is uh, I just got my hands on a copy of a kind of hard-to-locate uh, spaghetti western from uh, 74 called Blood River, mm-hmm. and he turns up in that as well. But ah, I, haven't, I, haven't watched oh, the cool. movie. I haven't watched the movie yet, but he's definitely in that, along with uh, Fabio Testi and John Ireland. Wow. Good cast. All right. Well, yeah, Rosabal. Rosabal Neri. Well, we got. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, Japanese porn. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So. So the mayor, yes, has. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, we get to the fourth night now. Yes, right. With Sigurd back on patrol, the beast is now stalking the school. And uh, we got uh, the one of the blondes in the bathtub. She's joined by one of her re- one of her redheaded classmates mm-hmm. because they're kind of fearful. They wanna they wanna like hang out together because well it's less scary if you've got somebody there with you. Uh, the teacher comes in, almost catches them, in, almost mm-hmm. catches them together, but doesn't. And then our creature attacks them. Uh, attacks both of them. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a good scene, but. As there's, male there's viewers, no as male viewers, we kind of feel a little too soon. It's like, could you have left the girls in the splash around the tub a little bit longer? It might have crossed that line from playful to, but no, the playful to sexual. Yes. But no, the creature comes in and ruins everything. Yeah, attacks the two girls. Yeah, yeah. Does not kill the two girls. They it's, start no, no, no. It attacks. They start screaming. Sigurd hears it, runs inside, blows open the door, and then starts taking shots at the beast as the beast dives out the window and runs off into the bushes mm-hmm. with Sigurd taking more shots. Now he's this is this is a, almost an action sequence in this seg- section, and it was kind of a ama- it was kind of very nice to see because the door's locked and he has to blow the door open yeah. and get inside. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well done. I enjoyed the hell out of mm-hmm. that, and I, I enjoyed. I even like backed it up a couple of times just to watch it again because yeah, it was, it's, no, it's, it's cool. well it's it's mm-hmm. a well edited together sequence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that that night's a bust. He got, he got a few shots at it, but he can't even say for sure that he nailed it. So the next day. The dogs and the villagers are out, and, and the hunt is on. And I may not have... I probably cut myself off when I was talking about Louis and Dooney. I think... I don't oh. know if we ever actually went around to saying that what the, the, ma- mayor, the mayor did is he basically talks the villagers down from hunting at night, right? which is something they never were able to do in the old Universal films and all. But this mayor's actually talk a little sense into these guys and like, yeah. you know... Let's hunt for it in daytime. daytime. And then, yeah, which we're is less what, likely to all die. Yeah, which is what they're doing here. So the villagers are hunting during the day. But they come up with bupkis because they hunt all day yeah. and then 
Yeah. We immediately get to the fifth night. Mm-hmm. Sigurd is back on patrol, probably been up all damn day, too, so you yeah. know he's feeling great. And he has a little rendezvous with Elkie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's one teacher that I'd like to get to know. wonder what she teaches. We never get it nailed yeah. down. What subject she teaches. <laughs> Could it be labor? <laughs> Well, 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 you know, I, believe me, I'm not complaining about her strolling out at night in her, you know, white nightgown. But I did have no. to put in my notes. I did put in parentheses, like, what is it with these Europeans? <laughs> you know, this, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there is a ravenous monster who just attacked two girls in your school and you decided to just Wandering take a stroll in your nightgown. <laughs> you <know. laughs> You're not Wonder Woman. Yeah. You're going to die. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh, God. Well, they have a little conversation, Sigurd and Elke, and uh, he says, look, we we need to be searching the bottom of the river. I think that that is what, I think that's where we're going to find this monster. Uh, And then, of course, he kisses her. Yeah. Which is, you know, what you do. We've got to search for this monster, by the way. Uh, By the way, (laughs) yeah. And now, during this scene, we realize that when he had surprised her, she dropped her keys to get back in. So we know that she's heading back to try and get back in and she doesn't have her keys and we also have seen that the Lorelai has been watching them kiss yep. so we know that's not going to go over well <laughs> that's not going to happen that's, yeah that's that's a bad thing so she goes she goes to she heads back up to the school building I can make a bad pun about her being green eyed with jealousy but I will not do that oh, that's um, awful yeah. that's, a that's why I refrained that's why I decided not to do it I'm, I'm glad I almost yeah. coughed over that <laughs> <laughs> well she uh, attacks the, the Lorelai attacks our poor Elkie mm-hmm. uh, near the school uh, Sigurd runs up there. He has, of course, found the keys that she dropped and was already in in mm-hmm. motion. Uh, gets uh, I, I, I love the kind of stalking scene because it's kind of this mm-hmm. chase through. You, you can see the it bushes. Are pretty well done. See, yeah. see the bushes mm-hmm. moving as it as it comes mm-hmm. toward her. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they make very they make sure that we see that uh, since taking the knife from the professor's uh, lab, he's wearing it now. He's got it on him all the time now. Mm-hmm. He's wearing it in a, a holster on his side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of like a sword scabbard. Yep. Another little Siegfried thing, right? No, very much so. The Lorelai attacks Elkie, and uh, Sigurd comes up and uh, manages to run her off. Pretty effectively, too. It's almost as if as soon as he shows up, mm-hmm. Lorelai doesn't want to mm-hmm. be there anymore. Mm-hmm. The next day, enough fucking around. <laughs> yeah. Sigurd has gone and gotten some scuba gear. Yeah, <laughs> he he gets a couple of uh, the he gets the uh, the mayor's right hand man and another mm. guy. They go out on a boat. Yeah, he's they he has he has manned up. Has got some explosives. Yeah, his whole plan is to find the Lorelai's cave and, and blow it up. Yep, he says, "Look, there's an underwater cave slash lair. We're gonna I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna find this place." And he, he gives them a timeline. He says, "If I'm not back in X amount of time, mm. drop this down there and blow it the hell up anyway." Yeah, he dives down. And uh, does find the underwater lair. He, he climbs out. Is starting to climb, get off his, his scuba gear, <laughs> and, the, and the servant fella, Alberic, yeah, is just standing there like he's waiting for him. Oh, just, he is, and, and <laughs> yeah. And I'll, let's go ahead and say who play. Let's talk about the guy who's playing Alberic. Oh, is, uh, is a Louis. I I guess it's Barbu or Barbo. It's B A R B O O. I think it's how it's usually, and I don't know exactly how that would be pronounced. If it's Louis Barbu or Louis Barbo, but. Um, but yes, we've seen him many times. Uh, I've seen him most recently. In Franco, he was in a lot of Franco stuff. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. In uh, Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, uh, the uh, mm-hmm. you, you get to see well 
to be honest, you get to see all of him in Christ of Frankenstein. If you have any desire to see that man naked from stem to stern, check out his junk, check out whatever you want. Then Erotic Rites of Frankenstein and, and, and Blu-ray Glory is the way to go. He was in but, a, he was in Case of the Scorpion's Tale. He was in... Uh, We've seen him. We've seen him on this show twice. So we've seen him in Return of the Evil Dead, uh, yeah. the second Blind Dead, and he was also in Night of the Werewolf. There's his Nashy connection. Um, apparently, he's also in Mystery on Monster Island, which we may or may not ever do. We've, it's, it's been discussed. But uh, he was in Return of the Evil Dead. Yes, or, he was, I'm sorry, yeah. Return of that would be yeah. the second Blind Dead right, film. Right. Um, by the way, he was also in Conan the Barbarian. Oh right, yeah. Uh, he was in uh, The Wind and the Lion for John Melius. Speaking cool. of Conan the Barbarian, that yeah. would probably be where they first got together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in uh, Franco's very famous female vampire, along mm-hmm. with Helga, uh, I'm sorry, not Helga, but Lena Romain. Romain. So, uh, yes. And, yes. And, and, and I like, I want to say here too that I like the way, uh, I kind of like the way Alberic's portrayed here because I, I think, again, it's not what you expect. He actually yeah. is truly a servant to. The Lorelai, and he, you never get a really a sense of, I mean, he's vicious and ruthless when she wants him to be or when it serves his duty, but you never get a sense of him having any actual real animosity towards Sigurd here. I mean, yeah. he basically, you know, you, you, you think you normally in this role, and I certainly expected in this role, that he would be jealous you know, or or try and take matters into his own hand, yeah, but, but he actually literally it, just yeah. does everything the Lorelai wants him to do and doesn't really seem to have any personal... Uh, feelings about what she's doing, other than he were, other than his yeah. job is to he, protect he, he her. He has I mean. no, he has no agenda of his own. Right. He is, yeah. he is exactly what she needs him to be. Yeah. And so he's there waiting when he climbs out of the water and takes off his scuba gear, just hands him some clothes and says, "Put these on. <laughs> come, come with me." Yeah. <laughs> now, I need to discuss something really quickly. We're introduced. He, yeah. He's yeah. first of all, this is a this is a really neat sequence mm-hmm. where we get, we go and we we see the the, the giant kind of treasure oh slash. Oh my god, throne the set room. here is this fantastic. Is, it, is, it, it looks like a run, probably some kind of ruined cathedral yeah. oh, or ruined just, yeah. uh, kind of uh, very ornate building. But combining that with that great theme song, you know, it's just yeah. it's an incredible immediate atmosphere. is just wonderful. And you have the the, the piles of mm-hmm. the piles of treasure, and mm-hmm. of course, as uh, Sigurd walks up, he immediately spots the 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 the, the pearl necklace, okay. yeah. and holds it in his hand for a second, and it gets that puzzled look on his face, like, "Holy shit! How did this? Mm-hmm. What what happened?" Mm-hmm. But one thing that this sequence uh, introduces. Uh, which is really kind of odd, and I can't, I can't <laughs> to totally say save myself. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's not a question of wrapping my mind around it. I can't quite get comfortable with it. Which is the introduction of these three uh, extra evil wenches that are in the yes, place. Yes, that's yes. That's I mean, who are dressed like really they, hot yeah, leopard skinned strippers. Like I said, pleasing to the eye. We're not we're not yeah. criticizing, but when you're trying to <laughs> figure out. What their place is in this film? Why they're yeah. there? What's the you know? Uh, yeah, I had a lot of I had problems with that too. Uh, well, here's the thing: we've been talking uh, about the fact that okay, we've got a von Helsing character. These appear to be Dracula's brides. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Only I don't understand. There's no there's no dialogue about them at none, all. None whatsoever. There's nothing. Nothing is ever said about them. They do. They they are like Dracula's brides. Mm-hmm. Once Sigurd is chained up in a few minutes, yeah, they're the they're the the kind of accidental way that he gets free, fighting amongst themselves about who will get him. Yeah, the rather contrived way that he gets free, you know, right. because once again, we don't have any real explanation for them being there. Now they didn't they did make me think of other 
uh, you know, we're talking about this legend of the Lamia, you know, which in right. that case, I think sirens usually are thought of as being more than one, you know, like as a, as a, if that's the kind of creature. That's true, yeah. But they also made me think a little bit of, uh, of all things, Impusa. Um, it, it made me kind of wonder. I know, I know. I don't. That's not necessarily. You don't want things well, to remind you. Just, you don't want things a, to remind you of Impusa. No, but no. it did. I did have to almost wonder if uh, if if this was if part of uh, the inspiration. You know, Nashi created those characters. Those, those uh, because they came from the sea too. Remember, right, you know. Yeah. And so, I almost kind of made me think of that of all the women who were sort of hanging around in those caves. If he had been inspired, maybe or have a memory of. The Lorelai's grasp have kind of inspired him maybe to create uh, those maybe. characters, but but as far as these girls right here, one thing that another thing too that I kind of cracked me up about him is, and I don't know how intentional this was on the director's part, but in a way their behavior kind of mirrors the behavior of the girls at the school <laughs> in the in the way that they react. <laughs> oh my god, over right. Sigurd, they're almost like yeah, demonic yeah, parallels because they go nuts over Sigurd as well, <laughs> and it made me think of the school. You know, yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. They can, yeah. they they really do. Yeah, mm. that's. I had that had not occurred to me. I just I just thought of them as hot evil chicks for yeah. no reason. I don't yeah. know why they're there, and and, and it's a, and it really is my my favorite you know WTF mm-hmm. thing in the movie because yeah. I can't. The movie doesn't give me a clear reason for them to be there. Mm-hmm. It gives me no lines of dialogue to even barely get a handle on their place within the structure of the mythology or the well, legend. The, well, the Lorelai never really even herself, I don't think even acknowledges right. them at all. You know, Alberic has, I guess, some interaction with them, but but the Lorelai never even, even yeah, acts like she knows that they're even there. I mean, they basically just don't have a purpose other than this very contrived way we'll see in a moment. I mean, first we need to get there, but we'll see well, in a moment kind of this thing. Let's, let's just go ahead and quickly get there, which is essentially just the Lorelai talking to Sigurd about how... Um, this is this can be their uh, their their eternal love. To be, he can be here with her uh, throughout eternity, guarding the treasure of the Nibelungenlied. Uh, eventually, he'll he'll end up in Valhalla. Mm-hmm. And when he starts, when he basically kind of is going, nah, that's not really for me. <laughs> yeah, not as yeah. many words. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starts to do something uh, that essentially would almost boil down to hypnotism in a way, in a bizarre mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. a kind of a kind of mesmerism. I mean, uh, trying to get him to go along and to forget his what he sees as his duty, but in a really neat bit of editing, he he, can't, he she can't really make him forget all this stuff because what keeps haunting him is the faces of all those people that have been murdered. Because yeah. he now knows he knows yeah. that these people were murdered; these innocents, as he refers mm. to them, were murdered by her. Yeah, but her counter argument is kind of interesting too. I thought that there's some interesting yes, dialogue. I like here. this. I really because like they this. bring up this. Um, they, they, they sort of. She brings up this sort of thing that can be used many times by creatures or characters in this sort of position. Is that it's my nature thing? She basically brings up it's she. Uh, one of my, I love the line where she says, "Would you accuse a panther or a volcano of cruelty?" Right. You know, right. she's basically saying, "I'm a force of nature. This is this is how I survive." She's basically saying, "How can you fault something that's trying to survive?" Basically, is what she's saying. I wanted you to see the treasure that Wotan, my father, ordered me to guard. Why so many deaths? I needed them to prolong my dream of centuries. All the victims were innocent. I cannot avoid their sacrifice. It is part of my second nature to devour human hearts. My legend must continue for all time. 
I have come to destroy you, Lorelei. You love me? Yes. But I must complete my mission. You are an evil monster and must not be allowed to go on. They have chosen you to be my companion. To stay with me and not even death can place a barrier between our love. You will remain. We will be together forever. Enjoying the contemplation of the most fabulous treasure that anyone has ever dreamt of. The treasure of the Nibelungen. You will stay with me throughout eternity. So he resists, says, eh, that's a good idea, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I see your point, point yeah, and still remain yeah, in opposition. Interesting argument, but you're crazy, and I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> you're an immortal crazy woman, and I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, she can't take no for an answer, so she chains him up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is all well and good. She's got to go off and find a heart to eat. So, darling, mm-hmm. off to get a heart. <laughs> Be right back. And... <laughs> She, uh, she's, she's, she's off to, she's off to get to work. Well, he's chained up and the evil chicks, this is where they play kind of, you know, Dracula's brides routine here and decide to, uh, do have a little, uh, fun time with Sigurd themselves, mm-hmm. uh, undo one hand, start fighting amongst themselves. Yeah. Cat fight. Yeah. What we're essentially in here is like, uh, uh demonic mud wrestling is what we're sort of, you know, <laughs> demonic is, mud is what we sort of uh, a witness to here. <laughs> oh, don't do that to me, man! Demonic mud rustling. Oh, oh, that's that should be, that should be a separate film genre. It should. It should. Demonic mud wrestling. <laughs> alternative history. And, uh, okay, so uh, he's able to uh, get loose and get the hell out of there. Yeah, and this is what I'm saying. This whole thing that just was a you know it's a little convenient. That's a that lot. They, it's that, a they, lot that they release one of his you know release him just enough where he can get away while they start wrestling with each other. It's like okay, all right, well. You had to get from point A to B, I guess, or C to D yeah. or whatever you read. But it's, it's one of the few moments in the film where I'm kind of taken out of it and going, yeah, that's a little, mm-hmm. that you needed a little bit more here or a little bit less, and I can't decide which would have been yeah. better. Yeah. So, but uh, he gets back to his scuba gear, gets back in the boat, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. get, give me the explosives. Me the sets, sets the timer on the explosives, and they get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Well... He heads back. He knows exactly where the Lorelai is going to going to go. She's going to mm-hmm. take out the competition. So he's and the competition has made it easy for her by once again wandering out in her nightgown. You know, <laughs> out of the, yeah, outside the building. It's like you might as well just go ahead and baste yourself, girl. You know, and move, you know, <laughs> paint, paint big, big B for victim on your head and move on. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So Sigrid shows up just as uh, the Lorelai stalks and attacks the the, the poor little Elkie. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he uh, at- attacks the monstrous reptilian thing and stabs it, of course, twice with the radioactive knife, something I need to have for myself. <laughs> yeah. If I can get a radioactive knife, I think I'll be all right. Uh, and right about the same time, the, mm. the bomb goes off yep. in the underground lair slash cave and starts to bring down the house. 
crushing the the evil chicks. Yeah, crushing Alberic and the, all the that, girls. You, you leap right to the guy. Come on. Uh, no, yes, I know. The That's the bigger chicks. tragedy. Is it Come crushes on. the crushes the Nubile women there, and, uh, and 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 the servant, and we're all good. Now. I was about to say we've we've achieved our you know we've we've eliminated the extraneous characters, and we're down to our <laughs> and we and we can have the and the, pure Paul Nashi would be proud of how quick of how quickly we we did that five minute body that last five minutes of the film body count there you know we eliminate yeah everybody starts dying and then we get to uh, the uh, the final slow gasping death of the Lorelai she transforms back into Helga Linnae mm-hmm. and she and Sigurd have a little farewell before she passes away and turns into ugly decayed meat flesh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty disgusting yeah yeah uh, I can't. I can't think about it and keep and keep my Helga Linnae boner intact. It's, it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. But uh, and that really does. As I warned everybody beforehand, spoiler, spoiler. Yes, spoilers, that's right. You you should have if you hadn't figured out that you needed to watch this film before listening to us. Uh, <laughs> this should the fact that I just told you how it ends should give you the second or third or maybe fifth clue. I'm not sure. So, um, but very interesting ending here because she sees, uh, or Sigurd sees vision, uh, visions of the Lorelai now riding a horse, yeah. uh, presumably freed from her demonic self, and uh, basically saying that, you know, she'll see him again in Valhalla, you know, and rides off. And, and rides off, which is really bizarre, but still kind of gives it uh, mm-hmm. that bittersweet mm-hmm. t- taste there at the end that seems to fit the entire story. And uh, here in my notes, what I'll, I'll just tell you my reaction to it. I wrote, "Life is good if you're Tony Kendall. You get <laughs> you get Sylvia Tortosa in this life and Helga Linnae in the next." <laughs> so, God, yeah, you're right. I thought about it that way. <laughs> but yeah, he's the yeah, motorcycle he's rider, up, hunter, he's uh, super hunter, yeah. with the excellent yeah. fashion sense and apparently a giant penis. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb here and assume that, but. Um, so th- you, you, this turns out to have been the first time you've seen this film. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, on the 1 to 10 scale, what do you end up giving it? Yeah, you know, I just really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, I just thought it was a great idea for a story. I had a great cast. I had a really lot of atmosphere, great great music. And I like the fact, I thought it was kind of neat that in a way, in a lot of ways, it's almost kind of a an old-fashioned film in some senses. You know, like, yeah, there's, you know, you have... You have nudity and you have some gore, but also, you know, there's not really any, not really anything really in the way of any kind of like overt sexuality or, or, I mean, now the characters, the characters are romantically entwined, but nobody ever really actually, there's not like explicit sex. There's not like, I mean, in a sense, the, it's a very romantic story, you know, it's, it's in a sense that not that, not that those other films, not that the typical European films couldn't mix that more. I mean, it just seemed to me the sensibilities of it is almost like it was kind of, trying to tell something a little more classical, you know, and of course having pulling from the old legends, you know, it's kind of adds to that too. Um, but, um, I ended up giving it an eight. Um, Oh wow. Cool. Yeah. I really liked it. I, you know, I had, cause I did have a couple, there are some, really the only real problem that I had with the film are, is, is just some of those story contrivances, not just the, not just the odd, unexplained <laughs> women in the in the cave. Not the but, dra- not the Dracula's bride or the Lorelai's yeah. brides or whatever we're going to call. Yeah, it. but but and again, I, and this isn't you know also just some of the victims' kind of tendencies to put themselves in harm's way, like Elkie, <laughs> our dear Elkie here. Um, but you know, I mean, we see this stuff in all these films, and that's not a huge deal breaker for me. So it wasn't enough. I was kind of waffling between a seven or an eight, but I felt like those those really are my only issues with the film, and they're very minor compared to how much compared to how much. Uh, impresses me about about the film and so yeah so I ended up with an eight there I think it's cool. a film I'm going to watch uh, I'll watch more from time to time 
Uh, I'm not far off. Uh, end up uh, end up giving it a seven. Mm-hmm. It's, clo- it's it's close mm-hmm. to an eight. That's for mm-hmm. sure. I, I love this movie. It's uh, it's not my favorite of uh, of Armando Diasorio's films mm-hmm. uh, because I love. I think uh, I will always hold the first two Blind Dead films uh, in higher esteem than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But then I, I find though I find I, I hold those films in higher esteem than a lot of uh, other Euro horror as well. This is. I think uh, it, while it clearly is a, a horror film slash monster movie, it really does feel uh, in in that really special way that some of the Nashi films do, as if it is kind of off to one side in its, yeah. own, in its own little Definitely. subgenre in a strange way. Yeah. Uh, this feels like a story that exists in the same world, not of the Blind Dead, mm-hmm. which seems like a more realistic yeah. world, yeah. but but seems to take place in that same kind of heightened fantasy world that uh, the Valdemar Daninsky stories take place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very easy. I mean, we joked earlier about the wolf howl, and uh, you know, j- yeah. just you know, over the over yeah. the hill dealing with these same <laughs> these same yeah. damn seven moons <laughs> is Valdemar Daninsky. It these are this is a story that I think could take place. In that same right. world. Well, it's like we said before with Valdemar Daninsky films or Paul Nash at his most romantic, you know, yes. because when you take him out of that, take him out of that world, his, his worlds are usually pretty harsh and, and, and pretty ultra-realistic and very grim in most of his other stories that he did, you know, but his Valdemar Daninsky's, he kind of touches that, that lover's soul that, you know, through the Valdemar Daninsky character there, you know, that, that sort of doomed you know, doomed lover that, you know, that has to be killed by someone he loves, you know. And so this, and I felt this film had that kind of same romanticism there. Exactly. It. And that's another reason why I think that it gives me that kind of feel mm-hmm. for as well. It's, it's, it's very much a part of that type of mm-hmm. uh, romantic horror, uh, romantic mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the sense of the, uh, the classic literature genre, not mm-hmm. uh, like a romance novel of yeah. modern days. But uh, a romance, a romance adventure. And here's uh, something we didn't touch on, but I want to see if you agree with me. This is, I think, one of the things the film wisely does is uh, not is is how little it shows of the Lorelai creature. I think it, I think it, yes. uh, the way it films and chooses that. Now, as the film goes on and more gets closer to the last, it starts to show a little more, and you start to maybe you can see a little more of the obviously a creature made on a budget but yeah. still it's a, a fun it's a it's a fun type of you know imaginative type of creature and i think they really do themselves a favor by understanding the director i think understood less is definitely more with this kind of when you're dealing with a a, trying to do a monster suit that obviously isn't going to be, you know, isn't it's going not going to be, be a realistic. So showing it in the yeah. dark and with a black cloak over it and just showing parts of it. They show teeth. They show uh, a clawed hand, and I think it, the eyes. It's the very oca- smart. The, oca- the occasional focus on one of the mm-hmm. eyes during one of the tra- during the transformation sequences, things like that. Yeah, it's a it's a neat little low budget horror film from uh, the, the mid seventies Euro horror mm-hmm. monster genre. Mm-hmm. It's it's the kind of thing that um, I. <sighs> I always wish I was going to stumble across more. Like yeah, this. I know, I know. And, and and here's a here's one more thing too. I don't know if you noticed this, but I did not notice this till the second time I watched the film. Is I realized that none of the girls from the school ever die. No, not a one of them. And it didn't occur the second time around. It did. And I realized, and I thought oh, they're attacked. They're Those attacked. Two are attacked. They're attacked. But they are not. But harmed. everybody else. Sigurd saves yeah. them. And, and I thought, them. and and I thought, you know, that's really actually not only is it very unexpected. But it's kind of cool too, because in a way they're they're, they're you know they obviously Sigurd's the hero. They're trying to to show that he's doing his job, you know. And they're yeah. also but but so many films you would have thought that would have been where your victim trove would have come from was from the <laughs> school, but it actually avoids that. And I thought once again, I thought yeah. that was really unexpected and unusual, you know that 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 they and, and it's a good and it's a good thing too because here's here's the thing, and this is this is something that I'm willing to ignore in other movies <laughs> uh-huh. where things like this happen. Yeah, but uh, if any. 
member of the student body had been killed, mm. the 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 movie either has to completely ignore what would logically happen next, which is every one of those Everyone girls would be sent, sent home. back home. <laughs> yeah, right. Or they have yeah. to they have to ignore that, or they have to invent a reason that they can't do that. Mm. And or they have to the character of Damaris comes strolling in and says, "We can't close the school. We rely too much on our revenue for that." You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm going to ignore. You know, the Jaws got yeah, thing. Jaws, you know, they're like, yeah, "We're not closing right. the resort this year." You know, that sort of thing. You'd have to go that route. So, <laughs> so uh, it, it is neat. It's not something that ever occurs to you while the film is going on because um, by the time by the time the movie wraps up it's mm-hmm. not forefront in your mind right. about where the victims came from but I think that that first jolt of the hippie being killed and the doctor being killed mm-hmm. I mean the professor being killed mm-hmm. those are your moments in the, where the movie goes ah not all it's not all going to be female yeah. victims it's, it's it, it, apparently it doesn't matter yeah. where the heart comes from yeah. there's to be a human heart so. which is cool too because it means suddenly everybody's fair game which is nice and right. I, rather than you think and, like, it, okay, and it opens yeah. it up yeah, it's like not that. just women yeah. who can be yeah. the victims right yeah. So it's 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 a it's a great little uh, Euro horror film from the seventies. It's one that I mm-hmm. think we I, obviously we we yeah. recommend yeah, seeking very, this very film. Highly, it's worth your time, and, and hopefully you, we've not told uh, yeah, the story you, for you yeah, if you yeah. haven't seen it before. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, we you know it's 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 pretty easy film to get your hands on there and see. So you know for the most and, part, yeah. really looking around on the special antenna, you will you will be able to turn it up one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we'll take a quick little break here. We will come back and we will deal with uh, some letters we have received as of late. Hello and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh. Who are you? Speak. (laughs) And I'm Brad. She came in and said, and he said, she said, that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. (laughs) Anyway. Which one is crying? (laughs) The boner of tears. (laughs) Hello, this is the Doomed Show is available on hellodoomedshow.com. Automatic.com and doomedmoviethon.com. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Nava. It's the Doom Show. Hello, hello, this is the Doom Show. Slashers, G.I. Low and Horror.
okay, first, DVD news. That's right. You know how we've been lamenting all these months, how many times have we said, gosh, there's just no new Paul Nashy Blu-ray news or DVD news has been coming down the pike here. Nothing new, nothing new, nothing new. Well, in just the past month, we've received information about two upcoming, well, Blu-rays? No, no. One's a Blu-ray, one's a DVD. Right, right. Of two different Paul Nashy films. And, uh, well... We couldn't be less whelmed. Yeah, yeah. What's that thing about careful what you ask for? Yeah, truly. What we have here is, uh, it says, uh, well, it seems Redemption is going to release Paul Nashie's Crimson to Blu-ray. <laughs> As anyone who might have listened to our fifth episode, which is uh, in, in which we covered the film Crimson, the uh, the French crime thriller that Paul Nashie has a small role in. Mm. Also known as The Man with the Severed Head. Man with the Severed Head, correct. Uh, well, let's just say it, it says the uh, Spanish horror movie legend Paul Nash. He stars as a criminal gang leader who undergoes a radical surgery in Juan Fortuny's 1973 Eurocene thriller Crimson, aka the man who uh, the man with the severed head, uh, which will be available on Blu-ray from Redemption on June the 14th. So, if you want a bad Paul Nash, no, I'm sorry, uh, <clears throat> no. Uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. So, this edition will include both the English dub version as well as the extended international version uh, with French with optional English subtitles, which features additional sexually provocative footage. It's an entire nine minutes longer. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, this is the same... uh, This would seem to be the same options that were available Mm -hmm. on the the previous DVD. Mm -hmm. Um, Special features are going to include uh, the fact that the film is mastered in HD, of course, from uh, a 35mm original film element. Um... Both versions and the complete uh, sexually explicit uh, version of the film. Uh, there's an audio commentary by horror film historian Richard Harlan Smith, which is really the reason probably to get your hands on this particular edition. Uh, agreed. Yeah, because, okay, I was going to ask you directly. Are you? Because yeah, I've, I've got mine on order. I'm going to get it. Are you? Are you? Are you getting it? Uh, honestly, until I learned about the the commentary track, I wasn't sold on the idea of owning an, a, a better looking version of one of my least favorite Paul Nashy <laughs> films. But uh, the commentary track definitely is a must hear. So okay. yeah, yeah, I'll probably be getting. It. Here's the thing that I would love to. Uh, you're right. The, the commentary tracks what really sold it. I was going to get it anyway because I was of the opinion that okay, if I support this, if we support this, and it sells, yeah. maybe eventually that maybe that'll push him for hey, let's try and get something else by Nashi out there. You know, which is kind of a, a nebulous. I mean, that's a slim thing to hang your hopes on. But when I, but the thing about the audio commentary that really interests me is. Um, I would really, because I would really love to see if he has a favorable view of the film, you know, because, because I would really like to know if he can say anything that makes me think about it any differently. What I'm hoping it's not, I'm hoping it's not just a, I'm hoping that he doesn't just segue into a whole lot of like, here's the history of Paul Nashy kind of thing. I hope he will really concentrate on the film and pick it apart and to see if he actually is doing this out of because he he's actually is a champion of this film or believes that it has worth because I would really like to hear somebody sell this film to me and see if they can get me thinking any differently about it. Well, yeah. I have a lot of respect for Richard. Oh, Holmes me too. Smith. Me too. I've well been known. I've been reading yeah, his yeah, uh, his, fi- his film criticism for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He's written for years for uh, Turner Classic Movies website. Yeah, he's uh, he's 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 always interesting. He's he's someone who uh, is a fan is a fan of Euro Trash. He's a big fan yeah. of it. Yeah, going way back. And I'm I'm like I say I'm looking forward to the to the, to that commentary track. I really mm-hmm. am. It it should be fun. Now 
I, I, I will tell you this, and, and I promise this is true. You may not believe me, but I swear, when we first posted this about that Crimson was coming out on Blu-ray, uh, and it was going around making the rounds of our Nashy site and our personal websites and all this, at some point I came very close to posting, you know, this could have been worse. It could have been Werewolf in the Amazon. <laughs> And guess what? <laughs> Our second bit of video news. Uh, yes. I'm not kidding. I was going to say that. Yeah. Straight from Fangoria's website. A collection of long sought after fright features from Brazilian filmmaker Ivan Cardosa is coming to DVD and digital for the first time. One showcasing Spain's greatest horror star. <clears throat> That's right. Camp <laughs> Motion Pictures is going to be releasing a, a, a werewolf in the Amazon collection on October the 4th. The three-disc set will contain four feature films by Cardoso, the, the, the director of Terror, a specifically Brazilian combination of horror and gratuitous nudity and comedy, along with the, the, the Senna autobiography, I guess a documentary, uh, representing the first time Cardoso's work has been released in North America and its first time in digital formats. The features are going to be the Paul Nashie film from 2005, A Werewolf in the Amazon, which we have covered on the show. And is terrible. And it is. Uh, the Scarlet Scorpion from 1990. And, and you know what? Uh, the Scarlet Scorpion... Some of this stuff sounds fun, actually. Okay, yeah. Th- th- I, I gotta say, I'm gonna be picking this up because the other I'm films too. I've never seen. Because I don't think it's gonna be massively expensive and I'm like, you know, even if all these are as bad as Werewolf on the Amazon, you're getting like four films that sound pretty fun and yeah. could be worth the price of the set, you know. Well, the Scarlet Scorpion from 1990, when the ultra-villainous Scarlet Scorpion kidnaps a famous fashion designer, crime-fighting millionaire playboy The Angel must step in to save the day. Hey, now, that sounds, sounds like an El Santo sounds, movie. It does, it does. Uh, the Seven Vampires from 1986, uh, as a botanist researches a dangerous carnivorous plant, a bungling detective and his assistant investigate a plague of mysterious vampire attacks surrounding a sexy, upscale nightclub. Uh, yeah, I'm there for that one. I know, but I bet that will snag you at the next one, too. The Secret, Secret of, of the, the Mummy. Mummy. 1982. Death stalks those who search for the tomb of Runob, the Mummy. Undeterred Professor Expedito Vitas. Vitas. What a great name. Expedito Vitas. an amazing name. Well, anyway, the professor acquires all eight pieces of the map, invests the mummy with new life, and unleashes a murderous rampage. Uh... Yeah, which of those three am I going to watch first? <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I don't know. The, the so again, it's like I said, even if they're all terrible, I mean, you know, you're, you're still getting probably, you know, a good bang for your buck just to get to see these films that you wouldn't see <laughs> otherwise. So, Well, uh, uh, and then there's the... Uh, yeah, this, uh, this, yeah, this, this like autobiographical film, kind of a... Oh, yeah. Kind of a, an inspired found footage slash remembered footage film that uh, includes oh uh, director Cardoso's seminal 16mm short Nosferatu in Brazil. <laughs> that sounds awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, that's cool. And you're right, the retail price of this thing is going to be 25 bucks. I mean, yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong, you know? So, uh, so even though I do not think, unlike some people, I do not think that A Werewolf in the Amazon is worth a damn. No. Uh, it's uh, the other three films, like you say, even if they suck. Yeah, I've I've got to see these things. Yeah. I really kind of need to see these. Yeah. So so yeah. So two new Nashi DVD releases, uh, probably two of the worst reviewed films we've ever had, uh, other than Impusa. Those are and, and yeah. um, uh, those would be the three. I was yeah. gonna say what would be next? Tomb of the Werewolf would be the worst. Tomb of the Werewolf. Those are those that, are the four that, that we probably slam yeah, the worst. Not not the not, hardest, not, yeah. the ha- not not the happiest of reviews yeah. for those films. Yeah. No, but uh, so. 
the the thing we can definitely say is that we cannot complain that there are no new DVD releases upon that. That is true. That because is true. we've got a Blu-ray coming out with at least a commentary track. Yeah, yeah. And, for God's sake... Werewolf in the Amazon, which has never seen a video release till now, no, as far as I can no, tell. No, so yeah, you know, hey, let's just hope it's the beginning of thing, yeah, better things to come. I agree. All right, now let's get to let's get to the mailbag. Uh, first up, a short one. Uh, this one came in uh, a little while ago from Kevin. It says uh, <clears throat> this co- this goes back to a conversation that we we were we were having on one podcast or another about uh, fan edits and Star Wars and things like that. Yeah, yeah. He says, someone whose internet handle is the man behind the mask created and released a fan edit called The War of the Stars back in 2010. I'd heard of it a while back and watched a few minutes of the edit. Of course, this is a version of Star Wars. Yeah. The original film. Yeah. Uh, he says, uh, uh, he watched a few minutes of the edit, but not, but not in full. Now that I've been reminded of the thing, I'll likely watch it in full this weekend. I can say that the editor does make a serious effort to make a rough, grindhousey take on Star Wars. <laughs> Vader's eyes now glow red when he uses the Force. R2's comments are given new go- goofy subtitles. Outtakes are reinserted for some comic effect, and the colors run through all the shades of degraded film. You might enjoy it. <laughs> You're right, I might it enjoy fun. it. fun. He says, while I'm here, I want to take the opportunity to say I enjoy both of your podcasts, and thank you and the gang for being my guides to your O'Hara. It's been a fun trip. And he includes a, uh, a Vimeo link to the fan edit of the, the, mm. the what is it, uh, the, the War of the Stars. <laughs> so uh, I, need, I need to check that out. Yeah, it sounds like he's kind of turned it into... You know, like Star Crash was a was a yes. rip off of Star Wars. It sounds like he's turned it into a Star Crash version of Star Wars, which sounds fun. Uh, it's something that I probably have to check out. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Kevin. All right, uh, on to uh, a letter from our buddy Brian. Uh, Brian is uh, the fellow who used to be behind the lamented uh, website Eccentric Cinema. Yeah, yeah. Rod and I both wrote uh, wrote uh, reviews for that site. Yeah, yeah. and uh, over on the, the Bloody Pit, Brian and I did an episode on the uh, Doc Savage movie and Doc Savage the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we love the character more than we love the movie. Let's yeah, put it most that people way. do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He says, gentlemen, wanted to... <clears throat> Who's he writing to? <laughs> yeah, I say, no gentleman here. Just wanted to congratulate you on the excellent shows featured on both the Nashi cast and the Bloody Pit last year, and to tell you that I'm very much looking forward to whatever you've got cooked up for 2016. Even with the list of Paul Nashi films yet to be covered getting shorter and shorter, the podcast remains as relevant, fun, as an, and informative as ever. In the January edition of the Nashi cast, he mulled over what remained of his filmography and possible ideas for what related subjects the program could tackle in the future. Do y'all mind if I toss out a couple of suggestions? Please do. How about an episode devoted to the music of Nashi's more memorable films? That's a good idea. It is a good idea. If we can get more information about the composers mm-hmm. and or the, uh, well, in some cases the movies were scored with uh, library cues from the Cam Library. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be fun to learn about. Yeah, yeah, it would. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think there may be a book out there that's either already out or about to come out about uh, the, the library source cues mm-hmm. from, uh, oh, from really? a lot of the 60s and 70s films. I Ooh, think so, yeah. Cool. I think the cool. book, if I'm mis- unless I'm misremembering, there's a lot of focus in the book on the stuff that got used and reused in Peplum, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, from the spaghetti western to giallo, horror, and more, the scores for such films have always played a significant role in your occult fandom. The wonderful world of Spanish horror and exploitation cinema is no exception. 
I know that for you guys, like me, a good, interesting soundtrack can have a major impact yeah. on your overall assessment of a movie. I just think it would be cool to hear your thoughts on the music featured in Nashie's films, what worked and what didn't, from the sublimely atmospheric to the utterly ridiculous or even wildly inappropriate. Vengeance of the Zombies, anyone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what he means. I mean, it's true. I mean, it can, we've, we've come across some times when the use of music was completely Didn't inappropriate. Work, yeah. Sometimes it was great, like in Horror Rises from the Tomb or like in this film, Lorelai's Grass, we talked about tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there is that ever insidious, uh, uh, insidiously catchy theme to Hunchback of the Moor. I was German, about to like, say. German polka theme that will be going through your head for whatever that, days. After whatever the, the Hunchback polka is just Hunchback what polka, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He says, as for a future Beyond Nashi episode, would you possibly consider covering the notorious White Comanche from 1968? Yeah, I've heard of this. Though even touted as the William Shatner, <laughs> though often touted as the William Shatner Spaghetti Western experience, it turns out that there wasn't any Italian involvement in the film. As far as I've been able to tell, it was a purely Spanish production. Mm -hmm. And I've looked into it, and he's right. Okay. I suppose for a movie to be technically classified as a spaghetti western, there had to have been some level of Italian participation. So what do you call a purely Spanish-made one? A flamenco western? That's a good question. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, flamenco yeah. western. Okay. I've talked about the, the German western. Yeah. I called them sour, sauerkraut, sauerkraut westerns. Sauerkraut westerns. <laughs> oh, maybe it should be a salsa western. That'd be Mexico. Yeah, you're right. Uh, man, we got to come up with the right Spanish mm. food. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Regardless of label, I think this could be an interesting and appropriate subject for the podcast. Is it a good movie? Well, not exactly. But it is Spanish, and Nashi cast favorites such as Rosanna Yanni and Victor, Victor Israel, Israel. Nice. make welcome appearances. Lovely Rosanna plays the main female character, in fact, and even gets ravaged by a brutish Shatner at one point. God, and then can't the we man get enough? We will be covering <laughs> White Comanche. <laughs> can't the man get enough with those alien women and all that? He's, you know, he's still got to pick them. Okay, Brian, you have just yeah. made your case. Yes, White Comanche watch. is on the list. <laughs> Holy crap. Rosanna Yanni, yes. If a transporter accident ever split Captain Kirk into two mm -hmm. beings, one good and the other evil, and they both got lost in a holodeck rendering, a holodeck rendering of the 1960s Euro-Western Lindsden, Spain, it'd probably play out something like White Comanche. <laughs> By the way, a staple of crappy-looking public domain DVDs over the years, the film finally got a good-looking anamorphic edition from Warner Archive last year. Oh, that's cool. Good that's to cool. know. Whatever treats y'all have in store for the rest of 2016, I'll be there with bells on and earbuds in. Thanks again for all the hours of great entertainment. Huzzah. All oh, right. Huzzah Thank to you, Brian. Brian. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. White Comanche. Wow. We'll have that's, to add uh, that to the, that's, a, that's, a, that's definitely going to go on the I list. I think so. we got to uh, see that. That's going to have to be seen. Going to have mm -hmm. to be seen. As a matter of fact, to tell you what, we've got uh, already got an idea for our kind of uh, Halloween time beyond Nashy episode, but I think maybe we should try to fit White Comanche in in this calendar year. Yeah. Let's do it for 2016. All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Let's All right, Brian, mm -hmm. you have you have suitably influenced mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. to, and it was it was like really twisting our arms hard, right, to cover a, a William mm. Shatner film. <laughs> <laughs> Not hard to do. Oh, no. All right. Well, and that would actually, actually, we may even be able to get, uh, maybe we'll be able to get Shatner on the line to comment on a little bit. He's, he think the man will do just about anything, so it's not out of the rooms of possibility. We might actually be able to get him to, it might be able to interview the chat man I, I, I don't that. i don't know if you've got a phone number you haven't let me in on that so. <laughs> no i don't but you know just you know all right all right well one more piece of mail here this is i think he's one of those guys you just flash don't you just kind of like flash like a light up up the sky just, the, the, and he just shows up and all that the, the, the shatner signal <laughs> the shat signal yeah i think the shat signal will bring bring him out <laughs> well he's been in nashville before but. yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah 
All right, all right. One more piece of mail. This is from our dear mistress Elena, over at the uh, Spanish uh, the 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 uh, of course she does Horror Rises from Spain podcast. And this is from uh, a notation on her SpanishFear.com website or the SpanishFear.com website that she's a part of, talking about the fact that this summer will be the 30th anniversary year of one of the great Spanish horror films of all time, Who Can Kill a Child? Which I've never seen. And I'm still stunned by that. I know, but I'm I'm glad I've held off, though, now to watch it in its anniversary year. Uh, Yes, uh, actually, uh, actually, I believe it was uh, the month of April that it came out. I thought it came out in the summer. But it uh, it was 30 years ago when one of the best and most recognized Spanish horror films was premiered. Uh, And to to, to kind of celebrate it, they put together a podcast on Horror Rises from Spain, which, uh, uh, which gives a look at the film's soundtrack. And if you will visit SpanishFear.com, you will be able to read quite a bit of background information about not only Who Can Kill a Child, but the uh, recent remake of the film as well. And with that bit of information, I will point you guys in that direction and go over there and check that out. And of course, it's always a good idea to check out SpanishFear.com mm-hmm. because lots, so. of, uh, lots of Euro horror mm-hmm. and specifically Spanish horror information there all the time. But with that, we should we should segue into the fact that because this is the anniversary year of Who Can Kill a Child, and Troy has never seen the film, mm-hmm. in two months' time, back here for the Beyond Nashy episodes, we're going to cover it here as well. So, next episode on Beyond Nashy, that'll be Beyond Nashy number seventeen. Seventeen, and then we'll be, be covering, June, I believe, right? Yeah, it'll yep. be in June. Uh, we will be covering Who Can Kill a Child, and it's a it's it's a it's a movie set in the summertime. It's it's. <laughs> takes place on a very hot little island mm-hmm. in uh, in the Mediterranean, and so it will be the perfect weather to be covering such a sweaty, mm-hmm. hot film. So, uh, in two months, back here for a Beyond Nashy covering Who Can Kill a Child, but next month, Troy, tell the good people what we're going to be doing. That's right. In May, we're going to pick up again on our Kaiju series. Uh, we're currently doing the Ghidorah Files and uh, going through the uh, films that that uh, center around or feature prominently King Ghidorah, the great three-headed dragon. And uh, we're going to do the last time we did Ghidorah, the three-headed monsters, which was his debut. And this time we're going to do a film which goes by several names, none of which make any sense. But, uh, well, well, I guess the American title is Monster Zero, which sort of makes sense based on the... But uh, it's, uh, we're going to probably be calling it by its Japanese title, which is Invasion of Astro Monster, which starred Godzilla, Rodan, and King Ghidorah. And we're looking forward to that one. So that will be on the Bloody Pit uh, podcast. That will be uh, what we'll be doing in May. So next month, over on the Bloody Pit, back to Toho, the month of May. We'll, oh, that's the, the month, month of May. June. is going to be, yeah. The month of June, back here for the Beyond Nashi, focusing on who can kill a child. And then the month after that, who the uh, hell knows? Who the hell knows? I don't even yeah, know anymore. Yeah. We probably know? talked about it, but I don't remember right off. I have. I really. I really don't. I can't. We maybe. We maybe. Maybe. Oh no! Maybe. It'd be the next Ghidorah film. Is that? Is it? Oh, Gingo? we doing? Are we? Are we, are we doing it every two? We're going to do it two yeah, months after? Okay. Yeah, we're going to next one. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be destroy all monsters. I believe is what we're going to next. Ooh, yeah. So destroy all monsters in July. Okay. Wow. Cool. Wow. This is. This is going to be a pretty good summer. 
It is. I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. <laughs> Good thing we don't have lives, so we can just sit here and, 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 and plan plan our next podcast. Or oh, don't make people feel sorry for us. Maybe they. <laughs> well, no, we do make them feel sorry for us. Send us money. Hey, let's. I don't think anyone and uh, Kit Kats. I don't think anyone feels sorry for us after hearing this, the uh, incredible <laughs> swag from the land of the rising sun we got from Jason. Jason, thank you again uh, one more time. Appreciate that very much. Yes, it's time to crack open that porn. I was gonna say I'm gonna be going home with my uh, my book of. Uh, Based on Godzilla versus King Ghidorah production uh, book on that, and Rod's going to be curling up with the Japanese you, porn, and I'm not sure, sure. I'm not sure who's going to be more excited. Yeah, are you sure you want to take all that home with you? I mean, that's a lot to carry. <laughs> yeah, my house is pretty crowded. I'm sure you might. You be, can leave it here. Right? I mean, not, I'm not going to. You know, I, I, you know, it, it, not that if it stays here too long, it would become mine. Yeah, it just might get lost. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got yeah, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not getting that stuff, am I? <laughs> Shit. All right. Well, will. <laughs> folks, we want to thank you once again for tuning in and listening to us babble about Spanish horror movies here on the Nashy Cast. Uh, we're glad to hear from you. If you would like to get in touch with us, please contact us at nashycast at gmail dot com or over on the bloody pit at gmail dot com. Either of those uh, addresses will reach us. I swear to you, I'm checking the the, the bloody pits. Mm-hmm email address more frequently than when Jason was in Japan. I have learned my freaking lesson. I could have gotten even weirder Kit Kats if I'd been paying closer attention. (laughs) So, folks, thank you very much. Uh, We will see you next month and the month after that and the Mm. month after that. We are now about to go skipping across the marshes like Helga Lene, and I guarantee you it will not be as nice a sight. (laughs) No, but I'll tell you, I'm probably just as pale as she (laughs) Holy crap. All right, folks. Well, thank you very much. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we will talk to you again soon. Please, with a speech or repartee, impressed me almost instantly.
Every hour, a foolish chase! 